Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Dave Hanradi and there will be no encore. Welcome to a brand new episode of the best music podcast in the four corners of the globe, as far as I'm concerned. I am joined this week. Delighted to welcome back a longtime friend, sometime rival. Um, she is one of Dublin's most prominent music journalists. She is doing so many things right now. Host of the MRO podcast, editor, music editor of Totally Dublin, contributor to so many publications that I have lost count and of course, a great quiz enthusiast as well, okay. the Sultan of Scanduch. Ladies and gentlemen, you know who it is. You love her. It's Zara Hederman. Hello. Hi. Um, Jesus, that was a very nice intro. Almost just made me a bit nervous. I'm uh, trying to play some mind games early on. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, for the best and worst top five. Yeah, it's best and worst. We were just talking off mic about that. We are doing best and worst this week. Top five songs from 2001, which is a lot, right? It's very, very broad. I'm just going to crack open a can here. Hang on. There we go. Lovely. The same in mic here. Hang on if I can manage this. This is Sonic Architect Adam. The corkscrew is currently blocking the bottom. (laughs) Lovely. It's just I great audio. Patient. I already opened mine. I have actually managed to get some uh, beer froth onto my glasses. So, <laughs> so yeah. you know it's good. I now have like a... It yeah. sounds like a Harry Hill memoir. Wow, Jesus. Thank you, for the, my glasses. thank you for the alcohol, Zara. <laughs> I appreciate welcome. that. Thank you for the lack of alcohol in this beer format, Zara. You're welcome, Adam. You. you have a job to do. Y- yeah, you're yeah. editing this. So you got to make it sound good. You've got to be on, on form at all times, you know. Sorry, I'm looking for my glasses wipe thing. This is all terrible. I, I, I started off playing the mind games. Now they have been sprung upon me. This is terrible. So, um, yes, 2001. Why are we talking about 2001, Zara? 
um, because Meet Me in the Bathroom was released. Um, I'm really glad that on mic I got that title right because when I have been talking about it in the past, I keep saying Meet Me in the Morning, which of course is the Bob Dylan song. It's also a coffee shop. It is. It's just yeah. called The Morning now, isn't it? Is it? It was me. It was, it was called Meet Me in the Street, Morning. Right? Yeah. Um, but it has changed name. So every time I've talked about the documentary, I've accidentally said Meet Me in the Morning and then get some looks. And I'm like, sorry, excuse me. Bathroom. Okay. Um, Did so you watch that was the documentary? Have you seen it? Um, I watched half of it and I fell asleep <laughs> by the time they got to TV on the radio. Not in the documentary enough, I will say. And I yeah. should say, yeah, the new music documentary based on Lizzie Goodman's book from 2017, I believe. Um... I guess shortly after this podcast, or I think next week, like, like in the days to come, um, the next episode of the Nine and Nine podcast is all about the Meet Me in the Bathroom documentary. How do I know this, you ask? Well, let Who's, me. Who features let on me it? Tell you, crossing the Rubicon, <laughs> it's Dave Hanratty. He'll be on that episode. The crossover we all wanted it's been, and needed. It's been some time yeah. in the making, but, we'll, we'll, but uh, other music podcasts are available. But you're here to listen to No Encore, and I appreciate that. So on this episode, we'll be doing. Best and worst songs from 2001. That's a very, very broad topic. Uh, we'll get into how we found it later on in the show. But <laughs> <laughs> it was difficult, yeah. Um, so before we get going, Zara, and you want to plug? You're doing lots of stuff, like I say. You have a um, new uh, Imro podcast episode out? New Imro episode um, dropped today. It was with Alva Reddy, who is releasing her album tomorrow, Endless Fair. So that episode came out today, Thursday, so you can listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and otherwise, just, you know, doing the same general bits, totally doubling away. Um, yeah, just uh, keeping my head down, I'm keeping still, out of trouble. Yes, Adam. on that feature, Sarah. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> oh, is that a thing? Oh, my God. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> and in fairness, no, no, you do raise a, there's been no, no encore feature in, in, in Tully Dublin since okay. she's taken the reins. So Hold on a second now. Hold, <laughs> hold up. She's there a music editor as opposed to the podcast. Music editor. podcast. Thank you. It's about music, you know? I have to bail her out in some way, shape, or form. Thank you, Adam. After burying her six feet deep. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 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 I give her a foot back. <laughs> Uh, anyway, if you want to give back to the No Encore podcast, you can do that, everyone. I appreciate people who do. It's patreon.com slash noencore to help support this little independent endeavor that could. And thank you to everyone who does. I really, really do appreciate it. But for now, uh, we'll press on in, not in 2001, but in 2023. Start spreading the news. So, yeah, the Oscars happened. Hollywood's yeah. biggest night. Yeah. Did and, you stay up to watch it, David? Uh, no, I did not. No. I, but I, I had a bit of a sleepless night that evening mm. and I uh, tossed and turned. And every now and then I'd wake up, I'd look at my phone. Yeah. And it was two o'clock, then it was four o'clock, then it was five. And I was like, oh, the, all, the, all the winners are out. I must go look at those speeches now. So, uh, yeah. Why are we talking about the Oscars on, on this podcast? Um, because music films were shut out almost entirely. Yeah. In one case, very disappointingly so. Go on. Uh, Tar. Tar. I mean, I think we've talked before. I'm not a huge fan of the Elvis film. Did obviously think Austin Butler was very good in it. Um, you didn't appreciate Tom Hanks's take on oh, Colonel Tom Parker. Horrendous. No? Hammier than a Denny Rasher. Like it was Jesus awful. <laughs> it was awful. How long have you been sitting on that one? <laughs> I literally just came to me. <laughs> very good. Yeah. Um, I like it. But I watched Tar recently enough and just thought that it was probably the best thing I've seen Kate Blanchett in. High praise. Yeah. Um, I think she's phenomenal in that film. Because um, there were so many times, like just watching it, where it almost felt like you were watching a documentary about a real person. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess the kind of outside, like the Twitter 
throw, like account this is Lydia Tarr or something She's dead like now that. though. See, she died on Oscar. I did. Yeah. That is so RP. sad. Rest in power, yeah, Lydia Tarr. To a legend. Um, it is a great film. There is a No Popcorn episode in the works. I'm trying to get it done. It's just scheduling, but hopefully mm. soon. Um, but yeah, it didn't win anything. Yeah, I won nothing. I'm very disappointed by that. Well, I mean, I think it was a coin toss in terms of the best actress between her and Michelle Yeoh. I really mm. do think it was one or the other. And I mean, you can't begrudge Michelle Yeoh. Mm. I don't love the film, Everything Ever All at Once. I think it's fine. Oh, that was good. Yeah. You've seen it? I saw maybe accumulatively five minutes of it. Turned it off in disgust, yeah. Well, yeah, Tapley was watching it in the house and I was working in the same room and every now and again I would turn around being like, what is going on? Oh, it's 100% not a film to watch in that Yeah, capacity. and then every time I turned around I was just like, this looks so shit. Um, and then was just getting really annoyed by hearing certain things and then I turned around at one point with the dick fingers. Yeah, I hate all that. I, I don't like that. The hot dog fingers. I really, hot really, fingers, really yeah. don't like that whole stuff. It, it does too much. I, I, it's certainly not shit. It, it's, it's a very good film. It's just, it's it's so, it's 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 too much. Mm. It's it's too much the movie. But I will say, I love the cast and I was delighted to see uh, both Kihi Kwan and also Michelle Yeoh get their, get their flowers, get their honours because they're just wonderful people and they gave great speeches. Jamie Lee Curtis, I mean, like, it's not my favourite performance of hers, but I like her her mm. and she gave a good speech I thought Angela Bassett would have won I thought Kerry Condon might have snuck yeah, in there Yeah. but back to Tar yeah so it didn't win anything Elvis didn't win did Elvis win anything I don't think it won anything no, no it won nothing so, no. Um, Top Gun Maverick beat out um, Elvis for best sound which I mean fair to be fair I it think sounded that's amazing. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah it did sound great. Like Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise didn't even go to the Oscars. So yeah, because Nicole Kidman was there. Is that the reason? I think yeah, he was just that's like, what all the um nah, the red tops nah. were saying. I, the red tops. <laughs> what are you from the eighties? Yeah. I, I think it was more like Top Gun's not going to really win anything, so mm. I'm not going to bother. How wrong they were. Well, it won best sound. That was it. That's no disrespect. But to win. Yeah, I mean, I just thought, like, I mean, there's there's been a bit of a conversation about, oh, our music film's dead now. And it's like, no, I don't think so at all. Um, I think that it was kind of how it was going to go. I mean, Tar, I think it's a great film, but it was never going to fucking, like, there was just a weird thing where it was like, everything ever all at once is clearly going to sweep this Oscars. Mm. And it did. And that was it. You know, Brendan Fraser won for The Whale, film I don't love. You know, it's... I haven't seen that one. It's tough yeah. in many respects. Yeah. He gave another big emotional speech. You know, it, it felt like last year they were like, well, last year was awful. And, you know, people didn't like the Will Smith thing. So, yeah, I was trying to remember. I was like, last year's Oscars, what happened? I was like, oh, yes. Who could forget? Who could forget? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll reference him later on. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, I don't know. I, I find my takeaway from all this is that, like, the award, the film award season in particular, the entire season, like, you know, the Globes, the Oscars, the SAGs, the Independent Spirit, the BAFTAs, it's so fucking long. It's very exhausting, isn't Four it? Months. Yeah, <laughs> like, and it must be like as a viewer of all these things going on, it's quite exhausting. But as someone who has to go to all of these events, it or must be Colin Farrell. Like he won horrendous. one award at the very start of this, then nothing since. Yeah, I thought it was very cute that he brought his son to the Oscars. Nice, yeah. That was so cute. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think next year at the Oscars, um, Berserker Gang? Um, <laughs> do you think they're going to have any um, films up for contention at the Oscars? I don't think so. Berserker Gang, what as Zara <laughs> rightly nods to and links beautifully, is a slash. Well, in my in my headlines, Zara, I wrote down slash gets into the slasher business. <laughs> slash of Guns N' Roses and Glastonbury headlining fame has launched a new horror production company called, as Zara points out, Berserker. 
Trucker Gang. <laughs> what do we think of the name of... It sounds like a fucking white supremacist organisation. Yeah. I don't like it. It doesn't sound like it would be producing slasher films. It's no. not where... It kind of makes me think it's like energy drinks. Yeah, I can see that as well. Um, yeah, it's a new production company. Slash says, I've always been a huge horror fan, especially going back to the days when horror movies actually scared the hell out of you. I want to get into the heart of the producing business so I can try and make movies that I'd like to see. The aim of Berserker Gang will be quality over quantity, says another member of the collective. We will be selectively choosing projects that we collectively feel represent, best represent the brand. Yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah, there's nothing lined up. There's going to be a, some film will be announced, but it seems like an independent film studio that Slash has put some money into. That's fair enough. Do you agree with him, though, that there haven't been horror films in recent years that have been scary? Uh, no, there's been so many that have been terrifying. Name some that have shook you up. Um, well, as you know, David, every October I like to uh, indulge in the horror. Shocktober, as you call it. Uh, no, Spook Threeber. Spook Tober. Spook Tober. Spook Threeber. Sorry, Spook Threeber was the third edition, which oh, was last yeah, yeah, yeah. October. Okay. Spook Tober. Yeah, yeah. Fair. Um, yeah, I love it. Um, I get so so into them because, like. I guess that when you do for a whole month, the um, the charm of them does wear off because you can just like read the formula quite like clearly and you know what's going to happen. If you're watching horror film every day as well, it tends to kind of fuck the brain up chemistry yeah. up a little bit. But like even still, like we'll be watching a horror film and even though I'm in the rhythm of them, I'll still like fall victim to the jump scares and I'll jump and I'll scream. Um, much to the annoyance of if we're dog sitting it'll like scare the dog but I do think there have been some that have scared me like a lot of the A24 ones I don't find very terrifying Mm -hmm. Um, there was of course a moment in Hereditary which is quite scary maybe two Um, but not to be one of those people but I do tend to watch quite a lot of like 1970s you love the 70s yeah I watch quite a lot of 70s slashers and horror so, so you're like proving slashers point here that, that it was better back 50 yeah, years ago good old Saul Hudson knows uh, <laughs> knows his uh, genre like Carp- uh, Carpenter obviously is the best he is the king sure um, Halloween Michael Myers terrifying have you watched any of the new Halloweens yeah, I watched, um, I was really impatient and I couldn't get a, um, a stream for the first one from like 2018, but I watched yeah. the second one <laughs> and then I haven't seen Halloween Ends, but I have Not seen good. on one of our streaming subscriptions that we have that all of the Halloweens are there. So oh, nice, nice. I think maybe next time I'm home alone, I'm going to just do the marathon of all of them. Um, what did I... Skin and Marink, which I talked about in the podcast recently, that, that, that did kind of unsettle me for a few weeks. Mm. I actually had a dream the other night that I... In my dream, I was watching Skin and Marink 2, which doesn't exist. Oh, God. So in my head, I was constructing this film. Oh, <laughs> my God. And it was very scary. The one... The recent one that I saw that really scared me, it's not a slasher, though, is It Follows. I love it. Follows, yeah, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Didn't it? Doesn't have that slasher quality, but it really like freaked me out. Yeah, and it's got a gorgeous, great soundtrack. Gorgeous soundtrack. Yeah. It looks great. You know the kind of eighties vacation thing, which is a bit overdone, but that is definitely yeah. one of the best ones. Um, I'm not confident that Slash's production company are going to come up with a gem, but they haven't done anything yet, so it remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. But I will say, moving on, um, Bono of U2 fame. Uh, he says anyone can die, and in brackets, <laughs> I've added leave you two end brackets. That's what he means by that. What he said, quote. "Well, it's 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 a weird one. I mean, like, I, I think it's because you know I'm coming off seeing the Scream movie. You know, anyone can die, all that kind of stuff. That's how the franchise kind of trades on. But Bono has said that at some point throughout the band's career, every member of you two had quote thought about walking away." 
So he's talking about this new Disney Plus documentary. So, of course, by the time this podcast comes out, I think that's going to be out on Disney Plus. It's called A Kind of Homecoming. And the Songs of Surrender rework album is out as well. So it's a lot of YouTube content. He said, I've certainly thought about walking away from YouTube. Every member has. We've all thought about it. Uh, adding that thinking about leaving was, quote, the right instinct to question whether this should still be going and what demands of all four members. But they all stayed because the desire to write songs we haven't done yet. We're chasing the dragon of the song that so we good. can't get yet. So good. <laughs> chasing the dragon. Who is he? Ali G? Like The Daily Mail reports, fuck the Daily Mail, uh, that Bono further reflected on how he, quote, had tested the patience of his bandmates. I'm sure he has. Here's mm. his quote. Friendship is deeply part of who we are, but you could lose that along the way. We had to work on it. If you're in a rock and roll band, you don't want to be in the photograph with some people who might have polarising opposite the whole dear, and I did that to them. I am turning what we created as a band into currency that I choose to spend in these areas. Crypto. I was just about to say. Bono coin. By and large, they support me, but I do know I test their patience. Edge says, the fact that we are still together is a remarkable thing. What do you think? And will you be watching this new documentary? Oh, absolutely. I'll be watching this documentary, yeah. Um, as you know, I was a massive fan of the Bono book, um, Surrender, which I certainly did to all 575 pages Incredible. of it. Incredible. <laughs> wow. Um, I find it very fascinating now how openly they're talking about, and maybe they have in the past and I just wasn't as cognizant to it, but like how openly they're talking about like how much they've wanted to leave the band in the past and like how there has been kind of inner dynamics that just weren't great at the time within the band. And obviously there are stories from their career where obviously like Adam had to go off for a time um, to recover from his addictions. Um but like, I've never really heard Bono talk about this where it's just like, even him self-owning that he is an annoying person to be in a band with, I find very interesting and bizarrely like refreshing. Um, and then like, obviously there's the quote later on in this where um, he says something like, so, oh no, it's actually The Edge, I think he said. So every time I think of quitting, I kind of reinvent you two. Is that true? No, I don't think so. When was the last time they reinvented themselves? Genuinely, like 2000? Probably in 2001. Yeah. A great year as we'll uh, get on to. We're going to find that out later on, Um, yeah. It's been, yeah, like literally two decades since they've done anything of aesthetic note. Yeah, because I really was not a fan of the, like, songs of experience, songs songs of innocence. I also just, I remember, like, Bono's feature on the Kendrick Lamar song on Damn. It's just a bit. It's very slight, though. Like, like it's exactly. It's slight. I don't think it's like, enough to get a to get a kind of you know in a tizzy about. Yeah, I feel like it's a sample. I don't feel like mm. it's a feature. It feels like a sample more so because didn't they release that song after on like Songs of Innocence or something like that? Or there's there was yeah. it was it was so there's a, a Kendrick song. I think it's I think it's Triple X that yeah. closes with Bono coming in as this kind of like street preacher type thing, and then Kendrick repaid the favor by opening up a track for them. That could be what it is. Possibly get out of your own way, which is one Mm. of the worst YouTube songs ever. I don't know. But like, unmemorable, basically. Yeah, because like, what do you think? You, like, with the whole Larry Mullen Jr., like, step, Stepping down. Sorry, I thought in my head I said Larry Mullen Jr. brother. I was like, oh God. Um, <laughs> what a collab. That would that be would an be. amazing collaboration. Yo, it's Larry Mullen Jr. brother. Um, <laughs> um, can you give me an, uh, a read of the new drummer's name in the way that I like to do it? Oh, what's his first name? Brendan, isn't it? Bram. Brendan. Bram. Bram. Can, I, can I do it? Can I do it? Yeah, yeah, Bram Vandenberg. It's Bram Vandenberg, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like a WWF. He yeah. does, yeah. Announcer yeah. more so or than like rest, a NASCAR racer or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's probably going to be really good. Um, mm. You know, I can't imagine. 
I can't imagine that they're going to have an average drummer. Like, he'll God, be good. No. He'll be good. Yeah. Uh, what do I think in terms of what U2 is just kind of current? Do you think they're just going to go? Like, uh, what, just keep going? Dissolve? No, as in, like, dissolve? Like, do you think Larry's going to come back? Probably not. Um, mm. Probably not. Maybe in some kind of, like, occasional, you know, attraction yeah, like situation. Madison Square Garden. In a consultation capacity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Larry Mullen Jr. and Sons. Um, Larry Mullen Jr. brother and Sons. Um, I, I they're, look, they're older. Like, like they're, they're in a fucking rock band. I mean, like, it, like I'm in my fucking late thirties now. I hate to admit it, but like, they're they got like what twenty years on me, and like I find it hard to get out of bed in the morning. They're in a rock band. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's like. Yeah, but you host a rock podcast. I host a rock in podcast. That's, that's, for, that's for sure. Um, but like, there's nothing left to prove. There's so much money in it, and they're going to get so much money for this new thing. But also, what else do they do? Oh, yeah, and seemingly they're going to have their own crypto. Apparently so. Yeah, you heard it, you heard it here first. <laughs> Can we talk about uh, a story this week that I've found in the rock world um, that I've just found to be extremely. Two one. Uh, well, yeah, it certainly is. Yeah, and, uh, like a, a perfect timing for our top five. But like, yeah. I found the story to be extremely just fucking obnoxious and bizarre, and I can't believe that it's even a story. But like, can you fill us all in on what's going on with Meg White, Jack White, and the internet in general, please? Yes. Um. So earlier this week, um, Lachlan Marquet, who I believe is a journalist, he's just a guy. He's yeah. just a guy. Later on. <laughs> He's just a guy standing in front of his phone <laughs> waiting for his likes He's to blow up. He's just a normal man. He's just an innocent man. Yeah. Okay? Well, <laughs> Take the legs uh, out from under him, why don't you, Dave? <laughs> so he took to Twitter and... I'm referencing a thing. He, a great phrase, yeah. He took to Twitter by saying, the tragedy of the White Stripes is how great they would have been with a half-decent drummer. Yeah, yeah, I've heard all the but it's a carefully crafted sound man takes. I'm sorry Meg White was terrible and no band is better for having shitty percussion he has since deleted the tweet and I did actually see earlier this afternoon he was like apologising uh, we'll get for to it. that we'll get to okay. that because that comes next but like um, so then like in light of this we had a lot of people rightfully coming to Meg White's defence on Twitter you had people like um, Karen Elson former wife of, of Jack White that must have been stressful time um, saying uh, not only is Meg White a fantastic drummer Jack White um, also said the White Stripes would be nothing without her to the journalist who dissed her keep my ex-husband's ex-wife's name out of your fucking mouth please and thank you doing a Will Smith yeah um, Questlove also um, weighed in kind of just saying that he tries to leave troll views alone but this uh, right here is out of line AF uh, Portishead's Jeff Barrow your says, mate Jeff Barrow my mate Jeff Barrow lovely man he, lo- no, he loves, Hi, loves an online rock so he does <laughs> loves it um, he said that he believes that Marky is going to regret this tweet so yeah like when I saw this appearing on my phone the other night I was just like are you actually for real like why <laughs> is this coming up like also it just kind of I don't know, there are so many shit drummers in bands out there. Um, why are you picking on Meg? Like? Well, first of all, this is a debate from 2001 because I remember seeing this in Q Magazine, you know, in a pre-internet, you know, or at least certainly pre-social media era where it was. And like, I will admit that I wasn't that blown away by the White Stripes and I wasn't too enamoured by Meg White's drumming. And I was a drummer myself, mm. man. And I was listening to Slipknot. So I was like, that's what real drumming is. And like, it was a very stupid teenage opinion of mine. She's clearly a very good drummer. The White Stripes thing works perfectly with her in tandem. Mm. I have no issue with Meg White. I mm. do think that there was a cult of people trying to push her as like, she's the fucking truth, man. She's the future. And that was a bit postmodern. 
whatever. But, there, but this debate's been going on for quite some time. And I will say, you know, I wasn't a big White Stripes guy. And I did enjoy when Kerrang! magazine, my beloved Kerrang! magazine, when they reviewed, like, if there was a festival and the White Stripes were on, they gave, like, them one out of five. And they were like, they were like, the White Stripes sound like when the drummer and the front man go outside the practice room to have a smoke and the other two members of the band decide to have a go. And I was like, yeah, that's funny. Like, it's a funny withering thing. But I think time has proven that the White Stripes are, in fact, a pretty good band. And she's a really good drummer. That's fine. I'm just, number one, I'm baffled that we're back at this. And number two, that's why I'm saying it's just a guy. Mm. It was a guy, t- it was a dude tweeting. Mm. It wasn't, like, it would be so much more news if, like, Lars Ulrich came out and said it. Or, like, self-esteem. Or, like, mm. you know, someone, like who plays drums, who is a musician, who's in the industry. This is just a bloke. Mm. Like, he's got a blue tick. Who fucking cares? I couldn't believe that it spiraled into this massive international news story. It just picked up so much traction. And, like, the guy obviously, like, you know, deleted the original tweet and then posted a climb down thread, which I was just about to say that we'll get to. But it turns out we can't because I clicked into the link there. Did and he he's, he's protected his account because presumably he's getting insane abuse. Yeah. But, like, he did put up this extremely fucking self-aggrandizing over-the-top like five tweet thread or something that was like him basically being like some of you may have seen yesterday that I tweeted out this ridiculous opinion and you know uh, I'm so wrong and you know I'm so sorry to Meg and to what, what all women have to go through in the industry and just some guy like me you know you don't need me shitting on you and it's like yes that's true but I hate the society has reached this point where no, no, man, that guy's got to go in front of a foreign squad tomorrow morning mm. and he's got to climb down so fucking hard that he turns into, like, an after-school special. Like, this is, like, a guy offering an opinion. It's a dumb opinion, mm. but, like, dumb opinions get offered all the fucking time. Mm. Like, I, like, if some guy's sitting in a pub and he says, I think Mike White's a shit drummer, do, should, the, should the rest of the pub get up and queue up mm. and, like, go for him? That's kind of fucked up. I, like, I, I think the guy's opinion was stupid. I really, really do. Yeah. But I think that people are reacting as if he, like, killed Meg White. Like, it's not yeah. a little bit... Am, am I, you know... I don't know. I think there is that element of it where, of course, like, Meg White is a woman. And, a, like, a. I think a lot of people are probably as well thinking that this is quite a misogynistic take. As I said, like, he's not, like, pointing out... There's so many shit drummers out there. Like, there's so many. I think Meg White... I'm not a drummer. I just know what drum sounds I like. And I've always enjoyed her drumming on songs. Like, songs like... um, I'm thinking about your doorbell when you're going to ring it. Like, I like that kind of slackiness that she brought to, like, the White Stripes. It was different to the tightness of, say, like, Slipknot and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. So, like, I just am, like, personally as a listener, I never really considered her as a bad drummer. I always maybe kind of thought as well that the... um criticisms of her abilities were probably quite sexist in their intent. I would agree. And I think that this is just... Because as well, like, Meg White hasn't weighed in on this. And I think, like... She doesn't have to. She doesn't care, like, as well. like, uh, And she doesn't have to, yeah, no. Um, I think it is just him just, like, shooting fish in a barrel. And it's, like, just looking for kind of some kind of discourse, but it's just stupid and it's, like, irrelevant. It got away, yeah, irrelevant, Irrelevant. um, as Jerry Hanna might say. But, I mean, like, here's the thing, right? I agree with all that, but I also agree that, like, look, guys got a right to voice a dumb fucking opinion. Yeah. And doesn't need to be, like, put in jail for five years. Sorry, I'm getting very stupidly there. You know, these days, you know, if you say you're English, you know, lock you up and throw away the key. It's like me at 2am talking about Roy Keane, like... Uh, which you, you've often tweeted into the in, into the world. But you've received a lot of sexism in response yeah. to, to that statement. But, like, no, I, I agree. I, I do think it is definitely couch and sexism. There's no question about that. But also, it was like, this guy offered this opinion. 
and I, I think I think that it's, it feels like a disproportionate response to me. Exactly. In, in as a- much as it's possible to be like, like it's a dumb fucking opinion, mate, and like it doesn't need to be like. Here's everyone coming out about it in such a like. Again, this is just a bloke. I mean, like I'm sure he's like, oh Christ, like yeah. I can't leave my house now. Yeah. And it's also, you know, with all due respect. There are bad female musicians out there. Yeah, there are bad there are. male loads. musicians out yeah. there. There's like, like you're allowed to be like, you know what? Like, I think such and such sucks mm. because I think that they suck. I don't care. Yeah, you know that it's a woman. You know, yeah. but also like, there's just people out there waiting to chomp and like bite. And when we get people, when, when like we that, when is... we arrive at Jack White writing a poem <laughs> in response to oh, this, okay, no. I just don't know how to feel. He wrote a poem. <laughs> he wrote a fucking poem. Yeah. He put up an Instagram post with a photograph of Meg White. It was obviously in defense of her. And he wrote a poem. I, I, don't, I don't even want to read it, but I'm going to have to, right? Yep. So here's Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not letting you not do it. It's going to be on the leaving search yeah, in like five yeah. years' time. So here, here's Jack White's poem. Uh, to be born in, in another time, any era but our own, would have been fine. A hundred years from now, a thousand years from now. Some other distant, different time. One without demons, cowards, and vampires out for blood. One with the positive inspiration to foster what is good. An empty field where no tall red poppies are cut down, where we could lay all day every day on the warm and subtle ground and know just what to say and what to play to conjure our own sounds and be one with the others all around us and even still the ones who came before and help ourselves to all their love and pass it on again once more. To have bliss upon bliss upon bliss, to be without fear, negativity or pain and to get up every morning and be happy to do it all again. That's it. It's like something John Keats will write. I can't wait to put royalty-free dramatic music behind that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like an oh. eight-bit version of... Uh, That'd be great. An eight-bit do. version of like Seven Nation Army over or something. I mean, like... Oh, I just, like, I, I, I've, I'm all for, and I agree with people in the camp who are like, let's defend Meg White, let's rally around her. That's a good thing. But I'm also just like, don't give fuel to the to be, fire. Like, but did, like, it's just it's just a guy on Twitter. Yeah. Like, it's he's a fucking nobody. Like, again, I just... I'm just a bit baffled by the level of hype this received. Yeah, but it, it is nice though that it did bring Jack White out of his vampire lair because this was not his only um, interaction yeah. with um, music related rock royalty, bits. You could yeah, say, yeah, rock royalty. Thank you, David. It's I was, true, I was yeah. searching. I was just so moved from that poem. My brain's gone to mush. Well, he's praised someone this Metallica. week. <laughs> He's praised Metallica. His boys. He's praised his boys Metallica. Why? Because Metallica have bought a vinyl pressing plant for their own records. What was your headline? Oh, that's so fucking selfish. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. It's so selfish. In a like world where there are shortages. This is what I want to talk about. Oh, my, I can't. I can't. But, no, you're going to have to. Adam has left the chat. <laughs> my, my headline is uh, some kind of vinyl monster. Uh, Absolutely phenomenal work there. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's brilliant. They, so they own Furnace Record Pressing, a company based in Alexandria, Virginia that's worked with Metallica for roughly 15 years. The aim according to Metallica is to keep with the demand for their back catalogue on vinyl in addition to meeting the needs for the forthcoming album 72 Seasons uh, they first started working first in 2008 yada yada um, box sets you know it um, let's see <laughs> Eric Astor the box founder sets, and the founder and CEO has said that building Furnace into a dedicated and experienced family of experts it is today has been a huge effort but immensely gratifying knowing that our long term future is secured while also being better able to take advantage of growth opportunities is really exciting for every member of the staff Jack White Who's Sounds like Mr. Monopoly in this quote. Big time, yeah. Jack White, whose third man records, opened his own pressing plant in early 2017, went to Instagram and said, Welcome to the cause, gents. 
And thank you. And thank you for putting your money to amazing creative use. Here's hoping the major labels will see this as further proof and finally start investing in themselves. Okay, who wants to go first? I feel like Adam because oh, um, I'm yeah, ready to let steam. go here. Okay. Uh, like to me, like unless. And I don't know the ins and outs of the deal, obviously, because they've bought this place that's obviously an established press and plant um, before the fact um, that they have bought it. So I don't know whether they're going to go to exclusively doing Metallica vinyl, which, no. first of all, I hope not. Because, no, they're not. Okay, yeah. well, that's good, because immediately my thought well, was... we'll get priority. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Like, who, who is buying it's that much the vinyl? Clearly the demand is there. They bought a fucking plant. Like, I, mean, I also wonder, I was there any bored. conversations of Furnace being in trouble, like financially? Like That could also be a thing, yeah. But you yeah. would imagine that that would be included in the news story about it because it would make Metallica look quite We're an angel generous. investor. Yeah, 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 like enter Sandman, here's the ba- money bag. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> enter Bagman. So basically, right, here's the thing, right? That could be a whole different thing though, David. Here's the thing. Um, I just, yeah, like it's, on, on the one hand, yeah, it looks like a massive egotistical move and maybe it is. I mean, I did see Sean Adams of Drown Sound this week saying that like, no, the better headline would be Metallica now own the means of production. And he said, like, I hope this isn't, like, the new form of man-spreading. And I was like, is that a bit of a reach? But I have seen people be like, this is, like, really fucking selfish and blah, 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 blah. But in the same week, I'm seeing, like, these uh, these images on Twitter of, like, Adele's most recent album in the bargain bins in, like, American supermarkets because across the world. they can't get rid of them. Because Adele's crew or label bought up so much of that and, like, added to backlogs, etc. They, I mean, they, were, they were the first cause, I think, of the mm. backlog, aside from the pandemic. It was they, the fact that they had to produce so many yeah. Adele records that caused there to be such, like, there's, I think, like, an eight-month press and delay in some places, yeah. which is insane. Yeah. Insane. And when you think of, like, even... Like, I know it's a global issue, but when you think of, like, I know so many um, Irish musicians, independent yeah, artists, exactly. yeah, who yeah. are being, like, greatly impacted by this, and their even, like, release schedule is being impacted. Have to hold and off their album like, for a whole year. Exactly, like, yeah. and it's just outrageous and so frustrating that a shit band like Metallica oh then. hang on a second I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not having that I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that they're you know fucking the greatest band of all time I think you should delete <laughs> you can't say they're like you think they've no merit at all no Ah, come on. I'm joking. Yeah. I'm joking. I, was, I was even about but to like say, I wouldn't... know Stanger is horrific, but... Well, it's debatable. I mean, like, you know, it's... It's, got it's some, not? It's got, it's got intriguing... But, snare, like, I'm not going to be running to 72... <laughs> I'm not running to 72 seasons, like, Singles fuck off. Singles have been good so far. Uh, the last I album was quite good. Yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're actually in quite a purple patch right now, Zara. This There's is darkness not the song. It's not a great... Okay, song titles have never been their forte. Scream and Suicide. Again, song titles have never been and their I'm forte. And I'm not even going to attempt the looks. It looks Eterna. Eterna. Oh. Yeah, it looks Eterna. That was the first thing. Is that what Grimes and Elon Musk's... Kids called. No, it's something else entirely. Regret, I think. But the thing is, right, oh. uh, would you go see Metallica live? Oh. It's a very fun show. I'd go see anyone live. Anyone? No, not anyone. Phoebe Bridgers? No, God, no, I wouldn't go see her. <laughs> no. I think you should delete. <laughs> the, climb, the climb down, amazing. I love um, it. There are maybe a handful, I'd say maybe five 
I could count on the top of my hand who I wouldn't go and see. Top five acts Zara Hedman wouldn't go see live. Okay, let's go. Number one. Well, no, because for legal reasons, I'm not getting into that. I have to know. <laughs> no, what I have is to Phoebe, in the pub. Is Phoebe Bridges in the top five? Of course she is, yeah. Is there anyone else from the top five that you can divulge? She's not Irish. Come on, I think we all know. <laughs> let's, just, let's just be careful here. Yes, Adam. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can say, and we can bleep it if it's wrong or if it's if it's. If it's uh... No, I'm not even having I any have... smudge on my name. <laughs> What's going to happen? Gerald Keane might be listening and like. For a second on. there, I thought you said I wouldn't go see Gerald Keane. No, I love <laughs> Gerald Keane. Um, there must be, come on. You got to give us a couple more here. Come on. Probably wouldn't go see Bruno Mars. That's completely innocuous. That's a totally fair opinion. Is that top five, though? Is he that offensive? He's got a couple of bangers. Gorilla's amazing. I like to think now, Gorilla? actually, who... Silk Sonic, pretty have you good. Heard, have, you, have you heard the song Gorilla by Bruno Mars? Uh, I, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> you in the corner just said, Gorilla? It's, an, it's, it's an astonishing song. Um, <laughs> you and me, maybe we can love oh, yes, Gorilla. Yes, I know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> who would be some of the acts that you would just point blank, blank be like, I'm not going to go see them? Oh, uh, Biffy Clyro, to the point that I went to go see Brand New Support Them and then I left when Biffy Clyro came on. Now, that hasn't aged well, of course, because Brand New, unfortunately... <laughs> Um, it's it, not to be, like, I'm willing to have this conversation. I mean, like, oof. Let me let me think. Let I mean, like, the conversation uh, begin. <laughs> let, the con- <laughs> let the conversation. No, that is begin. Uh, top would, of my list of I, who I would want I to go see. I tried to go see Garth Brooks, and I was only offered one night, so I said nope for this cowboy. It's five or none, of course. <laughs> um, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing. Try, a, I'm trying. I'm drawing a blank as well. But no, Gallagher's high flying birds. I wouldn't like to go see that. Mm, so be you're more of a lean really, boy. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll get to him in a second. But, oh um, yeah. Yeah, who else? Um, like, is there anyone jumping out like that? You're like, uh, like I, I, I probably would go see Lord, even though it's not my thing. Mm. Um, I'm trying. Yeah, like, yeah, that would be a fascinating Lizzo. Like, I think Lizzo sucks. I'm sorry, I'm that guy, but like, it's not for me. Yeah, I probably wouldn't go to a Lizzo. She um, only played. Actually, she was here at three arena, yeah. and I saw like you know another nine put up some videos, and I was like, yep. Yeah. Did she bring the crystal flute? I mean, I, probably. I presume so. That's very old, though. Like, that's a historical oh, artifact. Oh, oh, oh. I think I know who you meant. You wouldn't go see the 1975. That's exactly who I meant. Would you not go just oh, to be like... Oh, that's a different act, but yeah, no, I wouldn't go and see them, yeah. <laughs> Would you not be like just to... Like, no, I, absolutely not. Whoa, yeah. okay. Do okay. not want And again, to like, and also in this in this hypothetical bizarre scenario, like the ticket's covered, like you got guest okay, list. Okay, not going. Wouldn't go. No. Okay. Would you take it and just not show up? I'd burn it. Adam, <laughs> Adam who would you not go to? I don't know, I'm thinking. I'm thinking now and I... It's a tough question. It is a tough spot, question, like, yeah. yeah. I certainly have two more that I can't say on air. Are can't, they can't <laughs> are they Irish? I actually am not even. Oh, cool. no, I really want to say. Base. All right, you, me, sorry, you won't narrow it down to geogra- geographical location. <laughs> Geography. Zara's, Zara's under NDA. Could, yeah. could, could you say it and we'll bleep it for comic effect? No, absolutely not. I'll tell you in the pub afterwards. <laughs> I can I can guess one of them. I, I I think I know one of them. I haven't a clue. Having a clue. I don't I'll know tell you that well. Okay, okay, anyway, okay. this yeah, is probably I, riveting for the listener. I mean, probably, yeah. It's freewheeling chat. Um, okay. Patreon.com slash no encore. Where we, <laughs> for the answer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I probably wouldn't go see the Coronas. No offense. It's not my thing, you know? It's like. Do you know who actually. And this is actually just really. Um, picture this five times. I mean, like, like oh, who, who, who would ever do such things? Well, one act that, like, I'm sure they're absolutely fine. I'm sure they're nice people. But I've just. I've heard the name for years and I've just never had any interest to and see them dropkick Murphys. Sure, yeah. I Did mean, they not played the three arena recently. They played very recently, yeah. and it, it was again be, where I was just like, they wouldn't I be just, three arena level, would they? Yeah. 
No. They played Free Arena, no, I think. Was it? Was it not like Vicar Street? I'm going to double check. They're I, an, I think uh, they're, No, no, they're an academy band every day of the week. No, like, Vicar Street, I would say at this point, or even maybe, Olympia. Maybe. But they're just a band that I have heard so constantly. It's like the Olympia or the Gaiety putting on the night Joe Dolan's car broke down. It's yeah, like they you, play you, yeah. all the time. It's like Damien Dempsey, but Higgs went to see Damien Dempsey. I've heard that's quite a moving Higgs show. Higgs went to see Damien Dempsey in December. Hang on, you're telling me that... Drug- 14th of January 2023, they played, played the three, three arena. arena. That's bizarre to me. Goodness gracious. Um, yeah, fucking... Uh, Higgs went to Damien Dempsey in December and said it was incredible. <laughs> he said it was like his mates go every year and they brought him along this year mm. and he was like, he's like, oh, I'll head along and see what this is like. And he was like, well, I'll be back next year. This is unbelievable. Mm. Um, I mean, George Ezra. Would you guys oh, see George God, Ezra? No, nice no. guy. What about Nile Rogers and Cheek? Would you guys see Nile oh, Rogers? Absolutely. I've been have seen them. I've seen them would go again. Would well, recommend well, to a look, friend. Cheek and they're coming back. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And uh, they'll uh, be back again. They'll be back again. <laughs> have you seen the national? I wouldn't have interest in seeing them. It's a great live show. It's uh, like I feel like I wasn't in a place to appreciate them the first time I saw them. But let me tell you, I was bored to tears. <laughs> Where was that? It was Longitude. Yeah, probably in not. 20, I'm going to say 15, 16, probably, 15, probably, 16. Probably not the setting for them. Anyway, look, we could talk about this all day. And we will. But we'll move in on. In the pub. <laughs> we'll move on to our final news story. Uh, it concerns Oasis frontman Liam Gallagher. Zara, what's he up to this week? He's only gone and bloody. Blood? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, shuffling your papers like you're on like the six o'clock news. Fucking Gary Lineker up here. Um, he has only gone and bought Noel Edmonds' mansion near Cannes. So he has bought um, for three million pounds. This will get you a three-floor, six-bedroom property. That is actually not too bad I guess I guess it depends how, how it's laid out I assume it's yeah you know. um, TV presenter Edmonds Deal or No Deal Noel's House Party which I forgot that he hosted as well is said to have listed the house for 4 million in 2018 before Sorry, moving forgot, to New Zealand you I forgot what you, you forgot that Noel Edmonds presented Noel's House Party when my headline for this news story was Liam's House Party yeah, I, was, I was born in 1992 Dave but that show was probably on when I was only a child <laughs> this is just <laughs> am uh, I wrong Liam has been telling mates, I've, I've bought Mr. Blobby's house, said a source. That's a made up quote. There's no way. That's probably why I said blot. Him and his, yeah, there you go. You Blobby on go. the brain. Yeah. Uh, him and, I'm sorry, sir. It's Blobby on the brain. <laughs> Stage four. There's nothing we can do. It's another like Steery Lee-esque. There's nothing we can do for you. Um, make your arrangements. Him and his fiance and manager, Debbie Gwyther, plan to put their own stamp on it. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, like it's fucking, Liam's 50. Uh, by the way, do you think he was older or younger? I actually would have thought he was younger. I would have thought he was 47. Okay. 46, 47. Is he your favourite Gallagher brother? 100%. I love him so much. Um, and actually reviewed his last album, Come On, You Know, I think it was called. Not bad. Really? Not bad. Like he had a lot of terrible lyrics in it, but a lot of terrible lyrics that I was like, Respect. I'll like, never forget Dahi. I think it'd have been Dahi's first ever No Encore, and we were doing songs of the week. And like Liam Gallagher put out a song called Wall of Glass. And Dahi was like, he's like, you got to respect the guy's attention to concept here. He's like, in the video, he's standing on a wall of glass. He's beside a wall of glass. The song, the lyrics about a wall of glass. He's like, this man commits to the text. Yeah. <laughs> like, Everything does, is literal in his world. Yeah. It does also say in this story that the mansion located in Grass, Grass. My French is not very good. Is the world's perfume capital. 
So this is a very interesting, obviously Liam's wife is his manager. I would be like, Liam, get out in them lavender fields. We're making a perfume. Like, imagine him coming out Who with a perfume as you were. Who? Oh, oh, de were. The name Oasis is already there, so that, that would work perfectly. Who would buy I would. a cologne that Liam Gallagher makes? I would. This is the thing. I saw like I'd I say can he imagine. Lovely. I can imagine what that smells like, and it's not lovely. But apparently, like like the the pop star like a teenager. <laughs> the the pop star cologne thing could like is kind of back and forth because Billie Eilish has one. And apparently at the Vanity Fair party this week, like Asia Gonzalez, that actress, like went up to her and she was like, I'm wearing your perfume. <gasps> oh, there you go. Very nice. Yeah, that's very cute. I remember Lady Gaga's one being nice as well back in the day. All right. Well, oh my goodness. I just saw, sorry, Liam's quote. He said, I will rock a beret easy. I'll rock the onions as well. And a stripy thing and a wonky bike with a baguette on my arm. I'll rock that. Debbie speaks French so she can do all the ordering. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Um, will he feature, though, in our top five this week, everybody? It's time for the top five, of course. It's patreon.com slash if you want to be a top person and donate money to the show. But for now, we will get into our top five. So it's uh, best and worst songs of the year 2001. Inspired by the fact that Meet Me in the Bathroom is currently in cinemas. And also, yeah, I mean, like, in fairness, you, you came up with a good few options for the top five this week, Zara. Thanks, David. I think this was the best one, perhaps. You're welcome. But we're going to find <laughs> out. Uh, we should note at the top of this, though, that Zara, I thought, I, 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 I've been doing worst quite a lot. I think I need to kind of sh- sh- spread the wealth, share the wealth, you know, whatever that phrase is. And so I thought, I think Zara would be a good goer for worst, you know, like, no. like she could take the worst <laughs> side of things. And I forgot that, yes, the last time you did worst, what happened? I almost had a crisis of confidence. I think between the Monday and the Thursday. I sent you four emails, I think I it was. I think it was seven. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I think it did. Yeah. Just constantly changing ideas or? Because like, as I was saying to you before getting on mic, like I always really enjoy when you guys do a worst and it's always very funny. 
um, because there's so much gold out there to mine from funny music that's unintentionally funny. Um, and I was saying to you, David, I was like, I'm not funny like in that way. I'm you're very funny in a different kind of way. That's not thanks, Adam. Yeah, no, you know, um, Adam made the you know balance. Yeah, yeah I was like doing the balance thing on my hand. So I, I felt <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly. I felt a lot of pressure to provide the comedy because obviously as well like 2001 was a very dark year like um, in certain parts of the world yeah and yeah. like the shadow of 9-11 looms large over the Meet Me in the Bathroom documentary and I'm sure it may yeah. play an effect I did actually one. find yeah in the Meet Me in the Bathroom documentary the bit just like obviously I knew that like these mu- musicians were like based in New York but it never actually kind of clicked in my head this probably really stupid thing to say but it never really actually clicked in my head that they would have been like rehearsing and like practicing like right in Manhattan like mm-hmm. um, Tapley was telling me a story recently about how Sonic Youth around the time of Murray Street their like practice space was on like the 65th floor of a building and they were getting like re- like rigorous security checks just to go up and practice um, but to see Paul Banks in the documentary like going through debris and stuff yeah, yeah. it was kind of mad to be like Jesus like this really like immediately impacted these yeah, people I found that a little bit strange in as much as it was like Oh, by the way, nine eleven happened, and you know Julian was sad about it. Yeah. I was like, uh, like you know, it's obviously a horrible thing, but like, there's just yeah. a weird. It's a weird thing to be like rock music, and also these people were sad, and they're rich, and they're gonna yeah. be superstars yeah. tomorrow. Like, I don't know, like it's. It was a very jarring kind of thing, yeah, like yeah. more so just from the per- like, not from anything that the documentary said, but it was more so just the actual visualization oh, of yeah. seeing them in there, being like, "Fuck now!" Like, when that, that is- happened, like when when nine eleven happened, I remember like I was in fifth year in school, and I remember. Some guy got like a text on his phone and it was like, we were like, what are you talking about? Like, and I remember going home and just like, I was watching the same news report all fucking day. Mm. It was just the same footage. It was genuinely mesmerizing in an obviously terrible way. Mm. But the music, Sarah, That's it's all about the music. And speaking of mesmerizing in a terrible way, the tradition, <laughs> of course, is that worst goes first. So the best finishes the rest. And um, May I get my second beer? Of course. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll vamp while you're gone. Uh, I am curious, though, to, to learn uh, how you approach this, how you did the research, because like there are lots and lots of good rundowns, um, I think, with regards to, you know, even like retrospectives or, or, or from, from the time going through charts, etc. And like, it's hard to distill. At one point, I was like, fuck, should we have done albums instead? Would that yeah. have made more sense? But then I'm like, it's OK, we'll, we'll, we'll commit to the individual. And I should say as well. There are a lot of songs that have previously featured in the Encore Top 5s from the year 2001. Adam was very good for this because I sent him a big list. And, um, you know, on Best as well, like, you know, you're spoiled for choice. So there's going to be lots of songs that aren't in my Top 5 and I'm doing Best. It was surprising to me even when I was checking through how much came up. Yeah. And and I, I, even just in the long list as well, I was like, oh my God. I'll, like, go, through, I'll, I'll go through some of them at the very end just to be like, you know, because there's going to be inevitably to be like, well, hang on, where the fuck is that one, Dave? And it's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the very rarely employed or maybe we do employ it but the rule of well let's feature it before let's try and do something different so I'm and I will acknowledge that that was also a bit of a cheat because at one stage I was like how on earth am I going to get this down to five but I do think I picked five of the best but Zara of course has picked five of the worst how did you approach this and how did you find the last few days researching this topic oh god I found this just as stressful as my last time like literally I spent all day yesterday all day yesterday going through like Different lists of albums that were released in 2001, um, album or singles charts as well. I went through quite a lot. Um, and then, yeah, just like a lot of singles charts. So I went through the UK 
singles chart for probably the entire year just to try and find some gems but then I also was like okay this was probably one of the first years that I remember being very like aware of music and kind of developing my own tastes and like remembering things that were on the radio so I also tried to include a lot of songs in here ultimately because I just got so stressed out I was like okay I'm just going personal some of these are sub objectively quite bad but for a lot of it is songs that I had personal grievances to um so to start and Adam I'm sure you're very excited for my rundowns as well absolutely yeah I'm gonna have to watch watch what you say so you don't get yourself cancelled you've gotten better at the intro oh, yeah very much so I, I I don't know why you're so nervous yeah. about them I just you saw me doing links like I, I I celebrate when I get a link. Like it's like absolutely fluid. Yeah, smooth as silk. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So for my number five pick, this was a band that were once often compared to a second-rate Manic Street Preachers, then a third-rate Oasis. that was Stereophonics Have a Nice Day Um, I actually initially wanted to put Mr. Writer in my top five I love that song Um, unironically yeah I wanted to put that in I hate that song and I turned to Tapley during the week and I was like I think I have to put this like an easy like going in and then I played it and he was like this is bullshit you don't just hate this because like it attacks you and I was like yeah. No, it's just a shit kind of take of Ballad of a Thin Man. No, For anyone like, who doesn't know Mr. Ryder, it's Kelly Jones going after journalists <laughs> because... What? It's a fucking terrible song. <laughs> going after journalists because they uh, gave out about him or something. And it's it's very thin-skinned. But I've always found it funny for that reason, and I quite like it. And I remember me, me and a friend of mine have, like, a joke where, like, you know, because in the video there's, like, they're dressed up as clowns. Mm. And they're in a car and they're driving around. And, like, you know, it's obviously like it's got that melody. Mm. And one day, like, the video, the music video was on, and my friend just turned to me and he was like, Clown driving a car. <laughs> and, like, ever since then, it's just been completely ruined for me. But yeah, Mr. Ryder. So you didn't pick that, you picked this instead. Yeah, because I was like, actually, do you know what? Have a nice day actually does make me sick to my so- stomach <laughs> when I hear it even today. Those bababas are so pathetic. Uh, Kelly Jones is, as it was described at the time, his whiskey vocals are just really bad, actually. I think I'm all for a scratchy vocal. I love it. I mean, we hear Bob Dylan these days, scratchy as hell. Um, just these days, is it? Well, in his career. Um, but <laughs> the last this, like when I. But I was actually like listening intently to this song quite a lot um, the last 24 hours in particular. And just like whatever about him sounding like whiskey drenched, like he's actually a very bad vocalist. Like he sings this 
terribly. Like he's very flat. Um, does nothing to like bring me into like the cab that he's in in San Francisco. Like which, as we all know, the song was inspired by a conversation he had with a taxi driver in San Francisco Bay. Um, the driver was saying to them, I hate this place. It's full of tourists and processed fish. And then at the end of it, he said, that'll be seven bucks. Have a nice day. <laughs> um, and David, to go back on what you said about, um, you know, the Mr. Writer influence and Kelly Jones feeling affronted by um, journalists. Well, they did not take kindly to this song. Um have a nice day received a lot of negative reviews from music critics one um john dark from drowned and sound said it had more sap than a vermont maple that's so specific enemy surmise summarized the song as being beige sm- being a beige smudge of a song um and despite this it did get to number five which is quite remarkable Another um, critic said that just enough education to perform the album, which it came from, their third. Um, that, title, also, that title, by the way. Oh my Do you God. know Wayne Rooney got a tattoo? I, David, I was literally <laughs> oh, about to say it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wayne Rooney, of course, has uh, the title of the album um, on his arm. And as Kelly Jones... <laughs> As Kelly Jones said, I read today, Kelly Jones did this like um, oral history of just enough uh, education to perform, like a, a history so, like, of it. For who? The band's own website? Like, like who wants Rolling Stone UK. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anniversary piece, I suppose. And it is just the most insufferable. Like the more I read this, like I actually, this is quite disappointing because this journey has brought me to actually quite hate the Stereophonics and in particular Kelly Jones because I loved, I loved Dakota. When that song came out, I was just like, second coming of Christ, this man is phenomenal. (laughs) Wow. I was like, this song... Ultimate banger. No one should like come out with a song after this. I was also what, like fourteen or something at sure, the time. Yeah. Um but yeah, so reading this Rolling Stone thing, I was just like crestfallen. So this is new, this is recent. Like. From twenty twenty one. Okay. I think it was, yeah, twenty year anniversary oh, of the album, yeah. yeah. So he wrote about the experience of making just enough education to perform. And literally the whole thing is just like name dropping. Like it is name drop after name drop. And it's like, because they obviously supported you too for a little bit. He was like best friends with Liam Gallagher for a little bit. Then he talks about a time when he went around to Chris Robinson's of the Black Crows fame. He was like, I went around to Chris Robinson's apartment to play Chris the new album. He sat there with Kate Hudson at the time, one of the biggest film stars in the world after the success of Almost Famous. <laughs> <laughs> she- sorry, I just love the oh, details, yeah. the level of details. Uh, His Wikipedia brain. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he, he also put the Black Crows in parentheses beside Chris Robinson's name. Nice. Uh, and then finishes this um, listening party with this sentence. She was eating from a box of cereal, chatting and interrupting our listening, only to be hushed by Chris, who was listening intently. Whoa, it's hard hard to imagine why that marriage didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And then, like, there was other kind of reviews of, like, people being like, um, this this album sounds less like a band voluntarily growing into their newfound maturity, because I think they also were saying that this was, like, the last time that they sounded like that before pivoting to the Dakota era. Yeah. And Which was very much a bit of a rebirth for them. Mm. And it cracked America possibly to some degree. Yeah. 
So while it didn't sound like them growing into their maturity, this reviewer said, and more like a pet's first forced visit to the castration clinic. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. So not not a popular song. How and you, gonna, you know what? I fucking agree with them. How are you gonna how are you gonna follow that? I mean I will say that I, I had a stereophonic space when I was in school. I had the second album performance Did you in get cocktails. The tattoo? No, I didn't. No, thank God. Um, I liked them on the second album. There was that time when you're getting into bands and you're like listening to the CD you have over and over again. They got a handful of good songs. I think "Local Boy" in the photograph is a great song. I think "Superman" is all right. I do like Mr. Writer, <laughs> but I never, yeah, I've never really warmed to them. And like, of course, they're just still going and, you know, they just put out albums every now and then. And I, I've, I've made this joke on the show before, but it's always worth repeating. There was once, I can never find it, but there was a review, I think it was like Metro or something. And it was like whatever album they had out at the time. And it was like, you know, the, the front page of the review section and it's the big photo of Stereophonics and it's the, the ident of the album graphic and it's all the little stuff that you put in. And the entire review was... It's just another Stereophonics album. And I was like, yeah, that, they're that kind of band, unfortunately. Got 5.2 in Pitchfork. That's not too bad by Pitchfork yeah. standards. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of, by the way, when I get to my number three, make sure I don't forget it, because I've, I've, I've brought with me the most Pitchfork paragraph ever, ever, <laughs> ever written. Ever. So get ready for that. But um, yeah, no, Stereophonics, weird band. Do you have any thoughts? I, no. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you wanted to say something. I, I, no, I was just like... By pitchfork standards is like five point whatever. Is that not a bit of kick in like it, it is? <laughs> I've seen worse though. I've seen worse. Um, How's your album Wasteland Baby got five point five? That's way too generous, if you ask me. <laughs> right. Uh, how about I take it back to good stuff? Yeah. Please. Yeah. So yeah, like I say, look, there's going to be lots of 2001 bangers that didn't make it here. Um, I've tried to go for a good spread, and in I think in certain cases, some songs are just so powerful and of the time and made such a pop culture impact moment that they just cannot be ignored. And here is my first one on the best songs of 2001. Incredible, right? It is, of course, Jay-Z, and it's Izzo, brackets, Hova, close brackets. It's from 2001, because, of course, all these songs are. It is the first single released off The Blueprint, his sixth album, and it's, without question, one of his most popular songs. Uh, his first top ten single as a lead artist. It took that long. Which surprised me. On the, on the Billboard Hot 100 or something in the, in the US, went to number eight. Um, I mean, what can you say? Like, like I, I find myself kind of being like, what the fuck can I even try and say about this? It, like, it's, it's that well known. It should be that well known. It is, of course, sampling I Want You Back by the Jackson 5, uh, which I believe was, you know, directly endorsed by, by the big man, Big Michael, uh, before he... Before, before he, he, he went off this mortal coil many years later. Very few of them, isn't there, that you hear in like popular culture to like Michael Jackson or They're Jackson 5 samples? Down. I think so. Uh, you mean like in terms of just sampling? Sampling, particularly in hip-hop. Okay. Really? Am I like... I, I, There's I, like some of the dance re- remakes of like, I don't know, um, I know, I think Eric, Eric Prides might have had like one sample, but he's been called into question for how... 
his sampling practices might not necessarily have gained oh. clearance. Oh. And okay. also how he may have ripped off other people sampling <gasps> the same songs. But we won't go there. That's a talk for another day. Anyway. Call me. Yeah, sampling is one of those kind of, uh, those grey areas in music that we, um, you know, that we, I, I never know how to feel about it. We've talked about it before, but I'm just like, well, you know, it's. It, it, it can be artful in a lot of ways, I think. And I think here is like, a really good example of like a sample being put to good use. You hear like stuff that was done way back in the 90s with the likes of um, um, Mob Deep and Shook Ones Part 2, I think is a masterclass. Oh, it's one of the best songs it's of all time. Like, but yeah. th- it, there's like five samples that make up all of the things that are happening there, um, including like Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Um, there's a couple there's a Herbie Hancock sample I think in there somewhere mm. um, it's, or maybe two of them and they're both slowed down to different speed it's incredible I think it can be really artful but again you know there's a case to be made I suppose for it being you know I suppose disingenuous um, but anyway I'm sidetracking massively no, it's fine. Um it took me way too long to realise uh, that Jay's nickname Hova like what it meant it took me way too long to, to actually realise that it's because it's meant to be like Jehovah oh yeah and you know and then him being like no 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 I'm like no that's like a god like thing and I'm not a god and etc so and for so long I was like why is he called Hove I don't even know but um, yeah like we talked about Jay-Z on the podcast before I'm of the opinion that he is better than I thought he was for a long time I do think he can be patchy we've like we've ribbed him to death about being mm. one of the most awkward featured artists out it, there. It, he has a fucking awful track record it's of kind features. Of, but it's really bizarre because like when you hear something like this, you're like, that's just the most bulletproof song of all time. Yeah. And also like crucially, like this song, like, you know, it, it feels timeless to me. I'm always in a good mood when I hear it. It's great. He's doing a really good juxtaposition about, you know, the perceptions of him versus the reality and mm. all that kind of stuff. I, I think it's a really intelligent hip hop song as well as being a wonderfully sunshine pop song mm. as well. So um, I have a couple of extra clips to play in line with this one. And one is, um, while he might be very difficult these days, and it really did fucking jump out when I watched this clip, number one, how young he looks, but also just how innocent and naive and lovely he is. Kanye West produced this song. And it was clearly at a time, you know... Oh, yeah, this is ingenious. Yes. yes. Well, I, I, I still haven't seen that. So this is actually Sorry, from... Yes. I, I, have a, I have a clip from... That's the Netflix documentary you're talking mm. about there, yeah. Th- this is a clip from him t- talking to MTV in 2002. I'm not even sure if this fully aired, but he's talking about being in the studio and producing this song and just the reactions and how it went. And it's just the most... Like, the light in his eyes. I'm like, my God, Kanye, please try and find this part of yourself again. I remember I came in the studio one day at Hove and listened to all his songs. Because all he does, he, he records his songs in like five minutes. And then for the rest of the day, he just makes people come over and listen to him. Like, yeah, look how I'm killing y'all. <laughs> so um, basically, he, um, he was about to leave out the room. And he had played the songs. He's like, yo, after this song, Google, uh, I'm going to the lounge. Uh, I was like, yo, I got one beat to play. I got to play you this beat. I got to play you this beat. So then he's like, okay, you know what I'm saying? You did good so far. You know what I'm saying? You gave, you gave me six joints so far that's blazing. So I'll go ahead and listen to this album. That, I, I guess that's what he was thinking. He didn't say that. He was just like, okay, play the beat, man. So I put it on. He just started bobbing his head to it. Like, let me give you one of them looks. Like, <laughs> that's how you know you got a heat rock. Let me give you that right there. <laughs> so then um, maybe about, Two or three minutes later, I don't know, you know, it was like this. He just tapped me on the shoulder. He said, 
H to the Izzo, V to the Izzo, for shizzle, my nizzle used to dribble down a B.A. <laughs> so, I, so I went to the bathroom, right? I called my mom and said, Mom, we about to make it. We really going to make it this time. It's about to be on now. Aww. Oh, God, that's so heartbreaking. He's on just, so many levels. I know. The excitement in his voice. like Yeah, it's... And the passion for, like, what he was doing. It's and crazy. His mom. I know, I know. He, he's just full of complete yeah. nervous energy and... Yeah. Just, it's such a different time. And, yeah. But also, you know, in terms of his musical genius, it was clearly there as well. And what a combination they were. It's so fucking good. It is kind of mad, like, when you hear the song and then you know or, like, are reminded that he produced it, it actually makes so much sense. Like, you can just so hear then what he would later go on to do with his own music. Well, let's ask the producer in the room. I mean, like, I mean, if you're in that studio in that time, 2001, is it is it really, like as on fire as it sounds like I mean is, is, is this really like or does it take 20 years of, of like knowing how good a song this is I mean I mean some people just have it you know um, some people just have it on the money and clearly it did very well at the time and we're talking about it 22 years later so obviously there was something but some kind of alchemy between the two and you know having seen Genius I know you haven't seen it yet. Despite current misgivings with Kanye West, I think it's still worth a watch mm. um, as kind of a fly in the wall type thing. And it gives you a bit of an inter- an interesting insight into like this era of Kanye yeah. when he was like, he was just trying to get his beats heard. That's, yeah. And he fought so hard for it. And you can tell that's why he's so happy because that's he knew what he was fighting for and that's what he was fighting for, you know? Um like I said, it's very very different now, but um, I don't think you can still put that aside. You know, yeah, I think no. the I facts think, still remain. I don't think you should put that. I don't think anyone should. I think the music is that strong. Um, and lastly, before we uh, close off this entry, Zara, you, um, you you are, of course, aware that uh, 2001 was a huge year for new metal as well. It was still That's kind sick. of, you know, that kind of 99, 2000, 2001. That's, that was probably the peak time for it, really. I'm aware. So you might be wondering, though, what it would sound like. Now, this didn't occur until a few years later, but you might be wondering what it sounds like if you take this wonderful song and in an official collaboration, bring Linkin Park into the oh, mix. Oh, Jesus. Let's have a listen to that right now. Yo, it starts with one thing. I don't know why. It doesn't even matter how hard you try. Keep that in mind. I designed this rhyme to explain in due time. All I know. Time is a valuable thing. Watch it fly by as the pendulum swings. Watch it count down to the end of the day. The clock ticks life away and it's so unreal. I didn't look. Adam Shannon. Oh, Adam. Some things just, killed me. Some things need to be left separate, I, I think. Yeah. No Encore was the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. This mm. needs to just be each thing. Collision was. Course was the name of the record that Jay-Z and Linkin Park uh, spliced all their music together on and it should be said a long time ago on the podcast Mango uh, was on the show and Mango was very vocal about how much he does not like this collaboration. <laughs> he thought it was cynical trash and I can see that argument but I kind of like it as an innocent curio. That's my number five. Zara back to you on the worst. I hope Linkin Park are going to feature here. I can't give any spoilers at all. Um, I can't. I'm only joking. No. Uh, so my number four um, was born from a slight challenge from a label and it involves a band that 
where initially 19 members went to 30 and a producer who was convicted of murder. Oh, sweet. I think as well, the only fact that I'm watching a lot of Drive to Survive, that those like car samples and it's just actually driving. It's so triggering. (laughs) It should be the fucking theme tune for every Um, television show. Your reaction to that coming on. I did not expect this. Who is this, Zara? This is So Solid Crew and 21 Seconds released August 6th. Um, As I said in that uh, intro there, they initially were 19 members, which was a huge part of their... I don't want to say gimmick because it was just like what they were. They were appeal. Yeah, yeah. They were. Um, they got USP, their name from. <laughs> Sorry. They got their name from like a kind of club night. Um, so solid Sundays that they would all perform at, and they all just kind of came together. They were very big, actually, in the pirate radio stations in London. Are they from London? They are from London. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and I actually felt really bad in some ways. In some ways, like mostly I was like quite vindicated because this song is fucking annoying as hell. Um, a lot of people... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, excuse me, what just happened? Yeah, let's let yeah. Sarah speak and uh, I'll eventually um, say something. But oh, like, I can't wait for that. A lot of kind of retrospective um, pieces about this song, probably from 2021 as well, where it's like 20 years of 21 seconds because this was their debut single and also the first of five consecutive top 20 singles that they had. I couldn't name you a second song by this act. Neither could I. Do you remember So Solid Kids? No. There was like an offshoot kind of like S Club Juniors. There was So Solid Kids. Wow. Yeah. Um, But there was a lot of like pieces by um, British media. Uh, The Quietest actually was one of them who were like celebrating So Solid Crew for kind of bringing garage music into the mainstream and like for being like an entity that actually really championed the culture of pirate radio stations. I was like, oh, I kind of feel bad like shitting on them. But also anytime I listened to this song, I was like, this is this is very annoying that like dun, 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 like that oh, did it haunt you did it haunt you then like oh like, i hated this okay. song because At when the time. yeah when i was growing up we had the music channels on the tv and well 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 i, know. I literally class, was like gearing up to like i'm very grateful for the fact that i had those channels <laughs> but i would watch them round the clock like that was what i kind of that and like tom dunn's radio station or radio radio station radio show on today fm they were like my bread and butter growing up and every fucking time this video came on i would get so irritated because i'm like oh, fuck now i have to fucking find something else on the other channels to watch um i just really found this very irritating especially that like beat um but obviously as i said it started off with a label challenge in a way where um the crew created the track after the label told them to make a track listing or lasting three and a half minutes so um one of the guys in the band was just like so we divided it up so that like each member of the band could have 21 seconds on the song which is 
where the song gets its title. Pretty clever. Very clever. Um, but Jesus, I was fucking breathless even well, listening to it. 19 members, 21 seconds. Surely that doesn't... I think there was 10 of them at that session. Oh, okay, yeah. Or maybe like 10 vocals. Or yeah, something. so yeah, they yeah. even said, they're like, we had to get the calculator out and figure out how long it was. I was like, oh, bless. It's like a Pink Floyd yeah. album. But then I also remembered, like when I was doing my research, I was like, who was in So Solid again? And it was like, fucking MC Harvey. Do you remember when him and Alicia Dixon were going out? Vaguely, yeah. And then he had an affair with, do you remember Javine from oh. Popstars The Rivals, which gave us... Girls allowed. Did this was this the birth of your obsession with scandal? No, my mother was my birth of. <laughs> <laughs> I got it from my mother. Yeah. But it's it? all worthwhile stuff. Who went down for murder? Oh, sorry. Yes. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> forgot about that. Um, their former producer Carl Morgan was convicted of murder in October two thousand five. Um, and then group member Dwayne Vincent Megaman was also accused but cleared after a retrial. Jesus. Um yeah, yeah I like I didn't I didn't like this, just to clarify. But I uh, hate it. Excited. I, th- I think it's got a certain of its time Joy de vive. charm. Yeah, like I, I don't think this is like yeah. I think there are worse crimes against music, you know, than this. I I wasn't loving it at the time, but I'm like is it that bad? Adam, what do you think? Um I mean I kind of agree with what Zara said. The concept said. is cool, yeah, right? The concept, the concept, is, concept cool. is cool. And it's it paved the way for a lot that came after it. 100%. Um, but logistically, my God, what a nightmare. You know, <laughs> no, I, just in all seriousness, like having a studio myself and working out of a studio, having 19 people. 30 now. They're still going. I can't. They're still going. I still can't. Going. But no, like they haven't also, released anything for about 10 years, I don't think. Do they Zoom the guy from prison or how does that work? <laughs> I assume he's no longer here. He's been excommunicated from, yeah. excommunicated from the social crew. I think that like... Will I go into acting possibly? Didn't these guys, like, they were the kind of, I suppose, structure for people just do nothing, weren't they? That TV show? With um, oh, where it's yeah. like the the pirate radio guys, and they're kind of just like it's it's a bit of a piss take fly in the wall kind of docu- mockumentary type thing. It's very good if you haven't seen it. It's definitely worth watching. Yeah. But I think that this was like the kind of theme. Did you the revisit yeah. like the video or any of the imagery? Because I'm trying to remember what they looked like style wise. Like what what was the what was the choreography aesthetic at this point? Because I there feel was like no real choreography. I feel like, they were, like, 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 like most kind of garage, like UK garage acts at that time, I think everyone was meant to look like quote unquote futuristic, but no one did. Of no, course, there was, it was like, just like no, it was actually more kind of like retrospective and so with some of their styles. Like I think Romeo used to wear like um, like full length fur coats and nice. stuff like that. Shades. They probably. just kind of like dressed and represented actually very much kind of like that time yeah. mostly like they just yeah. looked very like if you looked at a picture of them now as I did today they look very 2001 yeah yeah. and yeah. the guy who went into acting is Ashley Walters yes he was I in rem- Top Boy I remember him being good like I remember, I remember he's him. had like a very good acting career yeah yeah well fair play yeah. to him um, I don't hate fair this song to fair play to him I, I don't hate this song I, I think that they I think that they're a good document of the time but I'm I won't challenge you Instead, no, don't. we'll pivot. Well, I'll lose. <laughs> <laughs> has been the case for the last seven years, or how long? Have I known you? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, seven years. Seven when wonderful. When did that um, Stone Roses song come out? 
Uh, I think it was 2016. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Brought us yeah. together. If the Stone Roses did one good thing, <laughs> it was released a terrible song <laughs> that you and I were on the same email thread for. Okay, so listen. Uh, number four for me. Um, this song just screams 2001 to me, and it was a case of me also being addicted to the music channels, seeing a thing, and falling head over heels in love with it. I could have picked a different... Like th- This would be a real, like, the album would qualify, but it had to be this one. Crazy because I did. No idea who this I have is. No idea who that is. Okay, right. It's Jimmy Eat World. Oh yeah. And the song is Bleed American. Oh, do they also have the middle? Yes. Is this the middle? No, this oh. is the, the middle's on this album. All right, because I, I considered the middle for worst. For worst, I almost picked it for best. Um, so Jimmy Jimmy Eat World, uh, Bleed American was the song. I remember seeing it on MTV Two and just being like, "What is this? I love this. I want this immediately." How do I get this album on compact disc? Um, after the album came out, and the album is called Bleed American, nine eleven happens, and there was talk of we got to change that fucking album title. And they said that they wouldn't, but eventually they caved to pressure and then they did. And so the album simply became called Jimmy Eat World. So it was self titled, even though they actually had one. Their first album, 1994, was also self-titled, so a bit confusing. But this song, which is the opening track and was the title track, Bleed American, they changed it to Salt, Sweat, Sugar, which, you know, is not as impactful. I think Bleed American is a phenomenal name for a song, no matter what the genre or whatever mm. it is. And again... Such poor timing, wasn't it? You know? yeah. I mean, like, there was a lot of... But there was a lot of that kind of stuff, though, around. Like, I mean, yeah. like, there was... Eerily so, like... Explosions in the Sky. Um, Obviously, like, you know, they put out an album in 2001, and on the, on the sleeve of the vinyl there was an image of a plane uh, and it says this plane will crash tomorrow and they're called explosions in the sky mm. and one time when they were going through an airport one of them who happens to be not white was of course randomly profiled mm. and they were like what is all this about and he's like I'm in a post-rock band from Texas and we love this country and also what Has the fuck been in the airport and just being able to be like I'm in a post-rock band <laughs> I'd say he didn't want to have that conversation yeah, no um, of course not but yeah there was, all, there was all kinds of weird kind of like parallels and stuff being released and obviously like the whole clear channel edict where any kind of aggressive quote-unquote music was taken away um, Jimmy Eat World are an emo band uh, formed in 1993 in Arizona and um, this was the album and the song that got me into them this is their fourth album actually like, they've been around for a little bit and they got some fucking beautiful stuff either side. They're still going. Um, my love affair kind of ended at a certain point. They are guilty of being, you know, they're very saccharine. They're very like, you know, it's very American. It's very, um, you know, like there, there, there came a point with them where I was like, this is just, this feels like a montage music for like a One Tree Hill scene where they win the big basketball tournament or something. It's all just very kind of that way. Um, and I was kind of like, fuck, you know, have I grown up and they haven't type thing. But I think actually recent stuff has been a bit of a return to form. I think they're a really, really good band. But I was, and one of the reasons why I picked this for the top five was because I was fucking obsessed with this album. Obsessed with this album at the time. And I'm going to say something right now. And I know you're going to laugh at me, but it's okay. The very, very first thing I ever did in my entire life that appended to anything towards journalism or music journalism was I wrote a few album reviews for my school yearbook and one of them was this album. (laughs) 
I have you still got them? No, I never. I, I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's there somewhere. But I never ever. Want, I reviewed this. I reviewed Toxicity by System of a Down. I think I reviewed American Head Charges album and possibly something else. And I never ever want to see them ever again because I was 17. Oh, that's so sweet. I know. But this album really spoke to a 17 year old with emotions, though. And even a song like Hear You Me, which is so fucking on the nose, but it's quite beautiful. Pitchfork destroyed this album. They gave it 3.5 out of five, and it was a very very of the time snarky Pitchfork review. Oh, the middle, which you mentioned. Um, I do have issues with that song. It is extremely heart in the sleeve, but I think that kind of wins it over. And as I've gotten older, I'm like, you know what? It's quite lovely. Why were you going to pick it for worst? You can tell me. <sighs> um, <laughs> sorry, just finishing my chair there. This um, type of music was just growing up. I think there was the people who like went down the like, strokes um interpol kind of way and then there was the other people who like in their teenage years who had like the new metal era and like very formative like time growing up and i'm actually like i don't know if this sounds really patronizing or whatever but i actually really wish that i had have had the new metal background like growing up um because i just like it's it, like listening to that music now is so much fun <laughs> in like some regards, but like it's also just like so big and so anthemic. But um, I always just thought this kind of music and like Jimmy Eat World, I just thought it was really shit. Um, <laughs> it's not patronizing, it's just <laughs> insulting. <though. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but continue, um, I want to hear more of this. But um, yeah, I just found this kind of music like just really as a fucking 11, 10 or 11 year old, found it really lame and just not my thing. It didn't speak to me, like, just didn't speak to me I'm at sorry, all. I love that at 11 years of age, like, it's not speaking to me. <laughs> Look, I was, was pretentious. three Bob Dylan albums <laughs> in at that point. A monster was being created. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just didn't speak to me at all. And then, like, I just stupidly kind of, like, shut it off, like... And being like, well, this music just, like, to me has no merit, which was very stupid. Like. I don't think that's stupid, though, if I may. Because, like, first of all, whether you're 11, 12, or 17 or whatever, like, that's the time of your life when you have to be yeah. binary when it comes to music. Or, like, yeah. like I like yeah. this, I yeah. don't like that. Yeah. And I will seek out what I do like. Yeah. And that's how it should be. It took me a while to, to warm to the strokes fully. And, like, I was. What you just described, uh, I, I did go that other path. And I'm very, very grateful that I did because those albums and those bands some of whom were obviously not very good, but at the time, I, I clung to them so, so hard. Mm. And with this album in particular, it, like, I was, I, I've always been an emotional person, but, like, this was, like, I really did feel, you know, seen, as they mm. say. And, like, I really did, I connected to this on a proper, proper emotional level, and I'm just so happy that that happened. But I would never, I would never begrudge someone who didn't or, or yeah. literally look the other way. And it's funny that, like, you talk about that music when it was, like when you were hearing it in 2001 of like feeling seen and like connected to them and like that you'd found people that you like related to. Whereas like when I was listening to music in 2001 as the precocious 11 year old version of myself, <laughs> I was like, that is what I want to be. Like that is what I want for my 20s and like that's what I want to do when I'm 18. So it was a very different thing as well that like I was aspiring to. But like... I, yeah, like I look at them all and just I'm like, Jesus, I was gobshite like for thinking that like these people were the be all and end all. And also as well, like at that time, like thinking that the strokes were amazing. And I did like Interpol quite a lot, but I never really kind of appreciated how much better and like musicianship wise and just like for 
now I'm going to sound like an absolute Irish wipe, but like just creating such a vibe in their songs and in their albums. Interpol in particular. Yeah. Can I ask, not to derail too much because I'm I'm conscious of time and I, I do want yes. to move you on to your next one, but I do want to ask, I know that you saw Interpol in Chicago a few years ago. Did that go a long way? Like to being like, you know. Yeah, so I saw them in May of 2022. Yeah. Literally, it was one of the most amazing gigs I've ever seen. Um, just like the light show was great. Um, it had like a few beers as well, um, which enhanced it. But just like to get to see like them on stage and also just like, like you couldn't even really see them as well because of the light show and like there was like shadows on them. So it was just like it could have been any configuration of people on there but there was just like something absolutely uh magnetic about it and it was like I left that venue just like so g'd up like it was unbelievable to the point where there, there was an Irish guy behind myself and Tapley and they started to talk about the Fontaines and I turned around and I was like shut the fuck up like watch Interpol like. a real rock fan <laughs> oh yeah, like literally it was just like what are you doing talking about them Interpol's right there did they shut up yeah, but then we did get talking about Oasis, but I was like, show up, like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so notes to Jimmy at World, better light show, few beers, y- you had your chance, lads. Number three, <laughs> number three for you on the worst, please, Zara. Kind of in keeping with the same style, genre-ish, David, you were talking, well, actually, no, not genre, really. Um, David, you were talking about, like, how there was a lot of new metal. I was very aware that there was a lot of new metal oh, this no. year. Oh no. It can only be one band. Um, this actually, it band to tease them. Um, actually, David, you'll like this. They were well known um, for providing the entrance theme music for The Undertaker. Should I grab my red baseball cap now, Zara? Or... <laughs> <laughs> providing the entrance theme music for professional wrestler The Undertaker, as well as being big fans of your boys, Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> in the house throw your hands in the air because if you don't care then we don't care uh i hate this fucking song so much and like as a child what song is it sorry (laughs) 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 tell tell the world (laughs) this underground gem you've unearthed oh god this is rolling by limp biscuit um air raid vehicle yeah i this was an early in in my top five. It was just a matter of where do I actually place this? Because um, I personally hate, as I said, I didn't have that new metal experience. Um, I just fucking hated this song so, so much. Um, it was constantly on the radio. It was constantly on TV. I hated the video. Um, which also, weirdly, as I rewatched today, Ben Stiller and Stephen Dorff. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah. And also, the video was filmed in September 2000 on the South Tower of the original World Trade Center in New York City. and on A the, year before? Yeah. Wow. And um, it received the award for Best Rock Video at the 2001 MTV Music Award Videos. And on September 10th, 2001... The day before. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah. What they were there. Limp Biscuit received a letter and a fruit basket from the Port Authority of New York City, thanking them for featuring the Twin Towers in the video and congratulating the band after the video had won the VMA for Video of the Year. One day later, 9 11 happens. One day later. I didn't know this. I mean, I will say, and despite my new metal love, I can't think of a stronger indictment of the genre than <laughs> yeah. the fucking terrorist but attack if, on the World Trade Center happening well, 24 like, hours later. What? This is not the first time that fucking Limp Bizkit have incited That's, such anger at Woodstock 99. Did like you watch they, that documentary on Netflix recently? I got so stressed out watching that documentary Very on Netflix. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, he fucking needs to down a bottle of wine after watching that. Like, it was horrendous Can to we watch. add Limp Bizkit to the bands that you would never go see live? Well, they've got bad juju. That doesn't like, sound like a yes to me. Sounds like no, a, I would go and see them. Okay. 100% would go and see them. Wait, you're about to say they've got tunes. This is one of their tunes. I no, agree. I said they've got bad juju with oh, all sorry, sorry, their... Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Dave said right. right. They've got, they have, <laughs> they do have tunes. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This song fucking rules. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not no. having it. It's 2v1 here, Zara, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, it doesn't do anything. I just like... Even I was like, I'll give the album a go. Like, So I stuck the album on. Because I, as I said... I was never this is not my wheelhouse even I had to write down that this album was called Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Water Hot Dog, hot dog Water, water yeah, what yeah. a fucking stupid name for I agree album. I'll, I'll give it's you that ju- yeah, no, it's, it's, it's juvenile it's, it's yes. pathetic it and I'm like 11 year old me is not going to want to lower myself to listen to an album of that <laughs> title. I, I listen to this album so much. <laughs> but I and, listen to and Significant Other as well, which is the better album. How many Irish pounds did you pay for this one, David? Oh, whatever it cost, man. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the whatever the shopkeep asked for, he crossed their palm with he silver. Re- and he that received it. that, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Oh and a generous tip for his uh, <laughs> for his wherewithal. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, go on. Um, yeah, I was just like, this is really bad. Like, and um, again, I turned to Tappy and I was like, I think like this is definitely in my top five. I hate Please this. Please tell me, David Tappy somehow did the most un-David Tappy thing and said, I actually really like it, sir. No, he. <laughs> Well, I'm so close. No, because he, like, I played the song from the start and oh, he yeah. was able to, like, verbatim, like, sing it. There's was a moment. Sounds like and then I was it. like, Sounds like he's in denial. I was like, did you have this album? Because I know he had a new metal past. And he was like, <laughs> and he just goes, fuck no, I hate it. Olympics. He was like, I hated this album. And I was like, oh, thank God. Like, um, but yeah, no, I just was like Godsmack was where it was at. <laughs> yeah. Spine shank, more was of an my American head charge guy. Fucking, yeah. I will say right now, just so you know, is not in my top five only because it was previously picked on this show. But sorry, Zara, yeah. continue. And I do know that like Limp Bizkit get a lot of bashing and and celebration on the show. But I was like, oh, I fucking hate this song so much, I can't not get in there. So is it the Fred Durst of it all? Can you appreciate the music at all, or is the whole no, thing? I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> this is crimes against humanity. I Listen, think. you you wouldn't Caused say that nine eleven in you, my opinion. Wow, you wouldn't say that if you were in Fusion nightclub Drogheda at the time, Zara, oh, and you were bopping away to this. I have to say, it's just like all this song screams to me, and it's like it's pure, pure nostalgia to me. Is PlayStation One? That's yeah. all I can. That's <laughs> all I can see in my head, and like all of that world around it. Where like people were wearing wallet chains, 
you know, they had spiky hair. Soul it was patches, great. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing. It was just a wonderful time to be alive, to be honest. I really, uh, it's, it, this is not my favourite Limp Bizkit song, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. What's your favourite Limp Bizkit song? That's a great question. Is it break stuff, Dave? No, God, no. Top five Limp Bizkit songs, that would be a good one to do. No, it wouldn't. Would you come back for best and worst? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we could spin an hour of Limp Bizkit chat. I mean, I, I think Rearranged is an amazing song, genuinely. I think it's a really, like, you know, phenomenal song by any band. Um, yeah, leave that with me. I like the Mission Impossible 2 theme. Oh, sorry, that is good. Take a look around. That, is that 2003? Uh, no, two thousand. It's two thousand, and it's on. It's on chocolate starfish. I too. actually uh, full disclosure. I yeah. got to roll and I was it's like, about ten I'm tracks done. in. Yeah, you didn't get that far. But I did um, also listen to the original version of this song. Of this song, yes. There's that, the original version. No, there's a remix. I was almost gonna say no. It's the original recording of it. Oh, okay, I'm not sure I've heard um, that. Um, which is called Roland Urban Assault Vehicle. No, that's the remix. That's the remix where they've got a bunch of rappers, including DMX. No, but they said that that was the original version that they made. It might and have been, that this was the remix. It might have been, but they they listed as this was the single, and then the but other it's one. Awful, anyway. No, it isn't. Oh my god, David. Oh my. <laughs> David. <laughs> David. I can't have this. We gotta move on. We gotta move on. We'll What's do the, your we'll go on. We'll do the Limp Bizkit top five another day. <laughs> cover of Faith is amazing. I love oh, that. Gosh. The cover of Behind Blue Eyes is a star. We all know this. Number three for me. Um an act I have a complicated relationship with, and you could have picked uh, several tracks off this album that was out at the time, but let's really go for it. Let's really give you the biggest injection of energy possible. Here it is. the lads it's uh, my boys Daft Punk and it is of course harder better faster stronger it's bit, again it's me slipping into my pack can you there yeah. harder better faster stronger I've never heard of these people it's yeah. Daft Punk and spe- <laughs> speaking of uh, who are these French boys uh, speaking of um uh, Orti and like big, you know, big, big, big names in the broadcast world. I should note. Uh, let, let's kill those rumors right now. We did talk, but Ryan Toberty will not be joining No Encore as my new co-host. <laughs> he is leaving the Late Late Show, and we wish him well. But yeah. unfortunately, listen, Tubbs, come on for one of the episodes every now and then. Could you imagine what top five would you do, Tubbs? Top five rap pack songs. Top five uh, Pete Doherty songs. <laughs> top five John F. Kennedy adjacent. Oh, um, okay, so Daft Punk, right? Um, if you want to do top five Daft Punk, I'll be up for that. Whatever. Call me. Um, Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger uh, is on the album Discovery, which came out in 2001. And I really struggled going back and forth between this and Digital Love. Like, I think Digital Love is probably the better song, quote unquote. But I think Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger is a wonderful encapsulation of what Daft Punk were all about in terms of just uh, tectonic pulsating pace, energy, you know, just like skyscraping, just momentum, and also, you know, uh, stealing the work of other people, as, as we all know. <laughs> Adam, do you have any thoughts on Daft Punk's approach to sampling, which you talked about numerous times? Like I said, <laughs> off mic, I said so, uh, some people in the world of music think that Daft Punk have never had an original thought in their lives. Um, I don't agree. I think they're a prime example of using music as instruments I think is probably the best way to put it it feels like you know when some people play the guitar it's like they are playing the favourite 
or the like best part of a record collection almost um, as like another instrument. I love it. Um, Discovery was an amazing album. I remember when I got the music channels. Um, I wasn't quite I wasn't quite 11. <laughs> I think I was like 13 or 14 or something right, like that. You weren't far off. I wasn't Jesus. far off. I wasn't far off. But... Alright um, guys. <laughs> Focus. <laughs> I was completely irrelevant. Um, I remember like just being hooked on MTV Dance. I don't know what it was. It was like a time in my life where dance music just was something that really hit like it kind of not so much filled the void but it just like caught me on the volley almost and um the one more time video and the around the world video and all of that like kind of psychedelic anime nature of it all like I, i not something i was necessarily into at all but i found that so fascinating like that whole kind of time around daft punk roger sanchez all that kind of stuff we all know the music video with the heart, right? I literally Another watched it chance. again yesterday. Chance, Heartbreaking. Yeah. Incredible. No intended, we also, like. yeah, the first four tracks on Discovery, by the way, it's like a cheat code. One more time, aerodynamic, digital love, harder, better, faster, stronger. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. Right. Then later on the album, you got Faridus Quo and Face to Face, which might be their best song. It's fucking amazing. Um, yeah, for, those first two albums are amazing. Uh, we are, are, of course, rapidly approaching the 10-year anniversary of the best album of 2013. Random access memories, baby. We, favorite album of all time, as we. I mean, all, it's all, just all flawless. Know. I mean, it's impossible to find any kind you, of. Go on. You have done more work PR wise for that album than their own than PR. Nile Rogers, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I did. I, 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 look, listen. I, 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 I agree with Adam, and I, I don't really have a problem with the whole sampling thing. But I think it's a valid argument if you want to go down that road. I do, for the most part, love Daft Punk. I regret deeply that I didn't see them live and that a friend of mine had a spare ticket to see them in 2006 and forgot to ask me. Oh, God. But I... for them to be remorseful about and not you. Well, just speaking of remorse, I did promise... Now, Zara Hedeman, uh, you're the only one in this room uh, and one of the only few people in this entire city and country who have, in fact, written for Pitchfork magazine. So congratulations on that Thanks, one. Thomas. So maybe you'll appreciate this too. Um, I've, I have taken what I think is the most pitchfork paragraph I've ever seen because I was going through a whole bunch of um, you know, documentation about 2001 and they had a helpful article. They were like the best songs of 2000 to 2004, I think it was. Mm. And they put Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger in at number 36. A guy called Nick Sylvester wrote a paragraph about it. And I don't know. If this is uh, someone taking the piss. Oh, I'm excited to hear this. Or if this is a genuine, um, sincere sentiment of what happened. But I read this last night and I was like, I need to be in front of the microphone now. Here we go. So the entry for Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger on Pitchfork's list here begins. You ready? Ready. As ready as I'll ever be. I met my third wife, Arcadia, because of this song. Each of us was doing the robot dance on 12-foot pillars of ice on opposing sides of the room. I noted her movements were more fluid than mine, which is to say, I was the better dancer, but maybe that's just the bitter divorce talking. Our once-friendly competition suddenly grew fierce. Arcadia launched into a malfunction sequence, deft and pink like a stamp, to which I responded with the Jetson-style cake-from-stomach move I'd seen on MTV's amp. Our pillars melted, and we kissed. At that very moment... I understood a fundamental truth about dance music. It's good when it's silly. Better when it makes us do silly things. Best when the silly things it makes us do include imitating robots, pirates, apes with laser beams instead of eyes, and combinations thereof. Another thing I realized, never marry a Gemini. There you go. That's Pitchfork for you. That's 
was written that that was written in his notes app and he also wrote the pitchfork article in his notes app and sent the wrong note. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is awkward. Yeah. Daft Punk Zara, before we get off them, how do you feel about them in general? Oh, this is actually gonna make me sound really uh again, very pretentious. Um it's just a bit below her for eleven year olds. Oh, she's not her head. <laughs> Just wasn't quite doing it for you. Like, as you were saying, Adam, I loved the music videos, especially for Around the World. I thought that was incredible. And I, I hate to say this, but I was more leaning to Air. Oh, my God. I, like mojo. <laughs> and I also have another very damning thing to say. I've never listened to Discovery from start to finish. Well, actually, I think you're in for a treat. I think you're in for a treat, but I will say I think it's extremely front-loaded and I do think it kind of get, hits, hits a midpoint where you're like, oh yeah, this is kind of why I don't always go to this album because it does yeah. get a bit meandering. Because I did actually try and do it recently. I was like, fuck, I've actually never listened to this and that's bad. Like, um, And I remember putting it on on a cycle home and my cycle was only about 15 minutes so I only got to hear the first four songs. And I was like, oh, like I think I, you I should listen to, I, they have two live albums. Uh, I think you should listen to Alive 2007, mm. which is just like a mega mix. Yeah, and I was, it's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know what it was. Like as a teenager, I was never drawn to Daft Punk. I was more so floating in air. Too cool. Okay, back to worst. Unfortunately. Sarah. You have two more songs left on the worst category, on the worst column. <clears throat> How on earth are you going to follow Limp Bizkit? Oh, <laughs> quite easily, actually. Um, I had to make a last minute change to um, my top five. And actually, in a way, I'm kind of glad that I had to take out John Mayer, Your Body is a Wonderland. Ooh. Because that song Ooh. actually came out in 2002. Even just the name makes me cry. Well, David, I've got a song with a name that's far worse and far more disgusting than Your Body is a Wonderland for you. Okay, um, now that we've all collectively vomited, <laughs> Zara. Oh God, um, that was O Town and their song "Liquid Dreams." <laughs> there it is. There it is. Which is um, a song. Do you want to just move on? <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking about this for very long because it is so disgusting. You got into it there at the end, though. You were throwing your head back and singing the Salma Hayek line. <laughs> we, we all saw it. I got swept up in the moment. Um, yeah, this song, debut single from um, O Town, who were one of the, the first band, actually, from the reality TV series Making the Band. Making the Band, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was a Diddy production, of course. Mm-hmm. Get, also gave us Danity Kane, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Episode of Flop Culture. Yes, yeah. Pamela Joyce yeah. spoke very fondly of Danity Kane and yeah. Flop Culture recently. Um, yeah, this song, I actually... Oh, 
Now, this actually makes me look like an absolute dope now compared to what I've said previously. But I do remember when this song came out and I was like, oh yeah, this is kind of like Westlife. It's a bit like Backstreet Boys. The music video for this song is outrageous. They are in like this weird, like Y2K, grey, white space. They've got obviously water on the ground. But there is like... To to symbolise what? Sorry, I'm, I'm confused. So, um, Liquid Dream was their way of um, singing about a wet dream. I didn't actually think you were going to pick yeah. up my obvious gag there, but... <laughs> but. Yeah, we all obviously gagged listening for that song. <laughs> for anyone who wasn't paying attention. Um, and then, like, there is, like, this CGI'd woman who is made of water, like, dancing for a bit. Um, sounds pretty sexy to me. I hate this. <laughs> I hate this so much. The song opens with the lines... Posters of love surrounding me, lost in a world of fantasy. Every night she comes to me and gives me all the love I need. Now this hot girl, hot, she's not your average girl. She's a metaphorotic, every time I listen to this song, it's like, fuck, fair play to him for actually singing that because it's very difficult to say. Metaphorotic. Metaphorotic. As in like, he's using Sorry, more for, more for, more ferotic. Are you all right? No. (laughs) <laughs> this is why all week when I was listening to the song, I was just like, how is he singing this? More for ferotic? I, I don't think this is a word. <laughs> is he combining metaphor and the word erotic? He's using his poetic license, David. Let's just move on. Possibly. Uh, this more for ferotic dream from a magazine. My, oh and she's God. so fine. Designed to blow your mind. She's a dominatrix, supermodel, beauty queen. And then it goes into the chorus that we heard. Can I... Please ask a question. Go for it. In your research, did you happen to see an AI generated image of what this woman would look like? Oh, no, I didn't actually. That's a good question for chat GPT. If any listeners want to get on that, please feel free. There was And and you can send it to me at No Encore Show uh, on the Instagram. For your liquid dreams? uh, Not for my liquid (laughs) dreams. I'm just curious to see how hilarious that would look. Yeah. It was just, there was a BuzzFeed article from maybe like 2013 because O-Town did reform in 2013. I should say they... A good year. Yeah. They formed in 2000, broke up by 2003. They were also managed by Lou Perlman, who was also Backstreet Boys manager, big fraudster, was in jail. Um... And BuzzFeed in 2013, when they reformed, had this article that was like, where where are all the women from O-Town's Liquid Dreams and what do they look like now? And it was just like they went through like all of their careers. Um, but they were like, um, yeah, like it's weird. They mentioned like Jennifer Lopez and Salma Hayek, who were like, hags. It was like, what? What are you talking about? Like, they are... Does this person have eyes? It was just like the media was just... I'm still hung up on that word. I'm pretty sure it's made up. I don't think it's a Did real word. Did you just try and look it up I there? tried to look it up and I got weird definitions and I was like, you know what? I don't want to end up in yeah, some kind of... Turn saves her child. I don't want to end up in some kind of weird list here. You know, yeah. Yeah. incognito tab. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that is probably the most disgusting song of 20... Yeah, like Zara's crying, like, like you're rubbing your hands together as if you're like sanitizing them because yeah, you're just so Yeah, I'm like wiping myself. <laughs> Yeah, clean completely. of the songs. Yeah, sorry, yeah, not rubbing hands together in any kind of gleeful situation. Like Dr. Horrible. Evil way, like, mm, yes. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought us back there. And also, to be fair, I think you're tapping into, you know, pop and R&B and that kind of stuff. So how about I cleanse the palate mm. with a flawless uh, attempt at actually a seductive song. Here we go. Four in the morning when you crept back in the 
was in my head. Am I supposed to change? Am I supposed to change? Are you supposed to change? Who should be her? Who should be blamed? Am I supposed to change? Who should be her? Who should be a shame? Am I supposed to change? Are you supposed to change? Who should be her? Yes, of course. It is the late, great, uh, eternal Aaliyah. It is Aaliyah who unfortunately passed away in 2001 in a tragic accident. Uh, shocking fucking story. Plane crash. And it was at the time when she was already like established and was clearly going to be, you know, she she was known and she was successful and she was acclaimed. But it was so clear that she was about to have her superstar moment. Like it was about to all come together. She was starring in films. The music was going in an incredible upward trajectory direction, and this is uh, if, uh, this is we need a resolution. By the way, if I didn't say the name of that song, it's Aaliyah, and we need a resolution. One of her greats, uh, she has got some great songs. Timbaland worked on this, of course, as well. Apparently, there was a massive push pull with like him only committing at the eleventh hour to be involved, and like he takes like the third verse, and it's got that very, I guess, familiar Timbaland style production. But it's just it's hard to talk about Aaliyah without talking about what the last 22 years could have been because it really did feel like she was about to be this kind of crossover sensation. I mean, like, she's she'd done a couple of films, including Romeo Must Die, which also had the song Try Again attached to it, which is one of her best. So good. Um, before that, she had Argue That Somebody, in the, which I didn't realise was written for, like, the Dr. Doolittle film. Like, you're writing that song for that movie? Really? <laughs> like, one of the best songs I've ever heard. For... Like, if that's what you can do, like, imagine what you can do when you're actually yeah, doing like, it for you, like, yeah, doing for... it for the the greater kind of creative project of an album or something, you know? Yeah, I mean, she, um, she posthumously appeared in Queen of the Damned, the not good album at all uh, Interview with the Vampire sequel type thing alongside Ireland's own Stuart Townsend and she is the titular Queen of the Damned came out after she passed away and you know the reviews weren't it didn't even feel like they were just like being like oh look she's dead so we gotta say a nice thing they were like no no they were like it was so clear that this woman had incredible presence and she was uh, lit up the screen and had talent and ability beyond just the music but the music was so fucking good I think you can hear Aaliyah's influence today in acts like Kalela. It's probably an obvious example, but just the most recent one I can think of because the Raven album that came out this year, which is great, by the way, um, and various others. I mean, like, it just it just feels like such a robbery that that happened. It was like a tragic accident. The plane that she was flying in had too much, I think, cargo in it, and there was an investigation. There was accusations about the, the pilot. It was a very, very messy situation, and unfortunately one that ended a very young life in a really, really horrific, horrific way. Um, but any time I throwing an Aaliyah track I'm just like I feel lighter you know her music was so fucking good and it was so of its time as well like, like you can hear like in the production right like it's yeah, very yeah. like how do you even define that like is that like I don't think it's dated necessarily no because you know? like you looked at the likes of Justin Timberlake in Future Sex Love Sounds doing the exact same thing going back to that world even unjustified but like I suppose that you could say the Timberland presence is probably something to do with that too um <sighs> It, it defined, I think Iliad kind of defined a genre almost by herself, if that makes sense. Like, you know, I, and a lot of people took influence from that into their own world, in my opinion, because like even now you look at like the R&B and the soul stuff coming out of London, Joy Crooks, um, you know, stuff like that, Pip Millet, all of these people definitely are drawn from 
the blueprint that Aaliyah left. I just thought she was the coolest. I think Try Again was the first thing I ever heard and I was yeah. like, what is this? And I remember like just being like the video, her look, her ability, just like the presence. It was all there and it's a fucking tragedy. Yeah, she was so fascinating. I remember like seeing Try Again and just being like, who is this? And like her getting me into like that kind of music as well because as I've established, I was very pretentious. You were intending uh, to listen to Interpol all day, yeah. Look, this is it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I was just always really fascinated by her and always really happy to hear or see her on TV or the radio and just remember the shock of hearing that she had died. Just felt like, kind of like Lisa Left Eye Lopez as well, like one of yeah. the biggest tragedies that could have happened because as you said, you're just like, what could have happened and like what we could have had. Um, she was yeah. also like, yeah, I guess lastly, she was also like an incredible fit for like the passive aggressive relationship song. Like, I mean, that's what this is. Like, it's, mm. and it's just, it's just got that beautiful pinballing to it. And yeah, while I'm sure Timbaland's production goes an awful long way, she took whatever, you know, she took the mantle. Like, you know, she took the microphone and like, it was her stage. Yeah. She was mm. so good. Anyway. That's uh, that's my number two for best. Zara? That's a great show for number two. Uh, my number one is actually a bit of a history maker um, artist. Um, one that's not really making music anymore. But when they did manage to claim the title of being the first novelty act novelty act to top the UK chart with more than one single so Adam please Is this who I think it is? I think it is. Is this Bob the Builder? It is. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? He was 2001's breakthrough artist in the UK. So this is obviously take up a Mambo number five. What's it called? Is Mambo number five. Oh, oh it is. Okay, right. I thought it'd be like Bricklayer number six or something. <laughs> no, it's called Mambo number five. I should have said no novelty songs. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I always feel so weird about them. I, like, clearly you've embraced this, so... I, so the reason why I've embraced this is going back to earlier when you were asking me about my method for picking the songs um, and being annoyed by what I was hearing constantly. I just feel like 2001, I, Bob the Builder was fucking everywhere. <laughs> it fucking was. It was. It was in my CD case because my younger brother had it. Oh, God. He was he was like a child at the but, time. Yeah. So hang on, rem- remind me, BBC Animation? Was yes. it like a cartoon or a... Yeah, it was beyond... I was too old for it at the time as well. Like, I, I, I had just passed it. But basically... You preferred his earlier stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I preferred his... Uh, Stick to the TV show, Bob. Yeah. Um, but this was not his first single. <laughs> so as I was saying, he made history by becoming the first novelty act to top the UK chart with twice. The first time he did it was on the 5th... 5th of December t- uh, the year 2000 with his song Can We Fix It do you yes, remember that one referring to him as if he's a real person like, like <laughs> well, Neil Morrissey Neil is a Morrissey, real yeah. person <laughs> I don't even know. So, okay, so Neil yeah, Morrissey. Yeah, so Neil Morrissey okay. is Bob the Builder and he was um, singing in Mambo Number no. 5. Wow. And, and Bob the Builder, I believe. He did. <laughs> yeah. Ringo Starr style, yeah, with yeah. Thomas Tank Engine. Jesus. But Can You Fix It was the UK number one song at Christmas time in 2000. The success of that song 
knocked Eminem off the number one. <laughs> and not only did it do that. So is it 2001? To, uh, no. So Can We Fix It was 2000. Okay. Um. Uh, so it knocked uh, Stan from the number one title. And it also prevented Westlife from matching the Beatles um, record of topping um, the charts with eight singles. That's a shame. So it stopped it with uh, Tell Me What Makes a Man, their single. It stopped that from becoming number one and giving them a record to match the Beatles. (laughs) Um, Speaking of this, like... um, Neil Morrissey was just like, we had the biggest selling single of the year, 2000, with Can We Fix It? Which was a nice thing to get. We were up against all kinds of people. We knocked Eminem off the number one stop and we stopped Westlife matching a Beatles record of eight straight number ones. Um, all right, now, a bit of fucking, be a bit magnanimous <clears throat> there, pal. But Mambo number five was released on the 3rd of September, 2001. But the original's 99, right? Or like... No. 98? No. There was like a Mambo number New five Vegas. goes Back to like the sixties. Yeah. No, but like it's but clear, new, yeah, yeah, it was like ninety nine, and I think Lou Bega was like, yeah, this is gas. Yeah, like, it's clearly taken off the recent success of that song. Yeah. So as I just said, <laughs> the song was released on third of September two thousand one. On the 9th of September, the song debuted at number one, um, giving him his second number one song. Congratulations, Bob. Two days later. In my research, I found this following the. September 11 attacks the song was removed from the BBC BBC Radio 2 playlist with the station's executive music producer Colin Martin describing the song as being too frivolous in the light of the news that was breaking come on yeah what yeah the song though still went on to earn a gold certification from the British phonographic industry and uh, shipped over how many? 400,000 units. And at the end of 2001, Mambo number five by Bob the Builder was ranked as the UK's 17th best selling single of that year. But it clearly would have been higher. Had it not been pulled. So what we're saying here is Osama Bin Laden didn't just take down yeah. New York City. Yeah. He took down Bob, Bob the, the Builder, Builder. <laughs> music what the career. And wow. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. He had a whole album as well. And that, that was, was actually critically no, the album did come out and it was critically acclaimed. See what I did there, by the way? Shelved. Oh god. <laughs> I'm very funny. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, it was cemented in history. Perfect. Yeah, it also works. Yeah, yeah. He got screwed. Adam, do you so- want to? <laughs> David's your number one. Okay, let's go with my number one. Let's wrap up this this uh, crazy construction set we've been putting together. Uh, Number one. (laughs) Number one in the best songs of 2001. I mean, look, a regular feature, uh, very inspirational. It had to be them. And in my opinion, their best song. Speaking at number 10 in the Irish singles charts and number 16 in the UK, it's hard to explain by the strokes and in my opinion, the best song they ever released. Better than last night. Now, I will appreciate that last night certainly is the calling card. 
the video is in your head forever. It's so synonymous with the time. But I just prefer this one. I think it's the better song. I think it's got all of the wonderful forward momentum and energy of the strokes. That kind of weird sound where it was like, they're clearly a garage rock band, but it sounds like there's a computer powering them somehow. Julian is at his most beautifully melancholic. I'm never tired of hearing it. It took me a while to to really fully warm to the strokes. Even I think it was as far as the third album before I really kind of fell in love with them properly, which makes no sense. And I kind of rejected them in 2001 a little bit because other people were kind of insisting them on me and I was like, no, no, I'm over here listening to Limp Bizkit, obviously, instead. But I recognised that they had something and, you know, I eventually joined the party, of course. I wasn't fully rebellious against it, but you can't argue with the song. I think it's just absolutely wonderful. I think it's magnificent. Mm -hmm. I think it's perfect. Are they that good? Are they, like, that synonymous with that time, the last 20 years? What is your general kind of opinion on them? Um... Yes, they're synonymous with that time. Are they that good? I, With my age and experience now, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I would be as well one of those who prefers Room on Fire to Is This It? Um, and they're a band that I, yeah, I don't know. I like them, but I don't listen to the I don't um, voluntarily stick them on as much as I would have when I was 11, 12 What changed do you think? I think like you said earlier I grew up and they didn't oh, I, th- I think they have grown up though I think the most recent album is... I did I liked the song Out to the Mets and stuff like that but the, even watching Meet Me in the Bathroom nothing really endeared me to them they kind of re- really annoyed me and it was very <laughs> like pulling the curtain back which was very like, oh, there's just, there was so many albums and so many bands from that year that I think are far more important and made far better bodies of work that aren't uh, talked about in the same kind of nostalgia. Can, really I ask as you, them. can I ask you for three of those bands? Um, oh, It's difficult because like, yeah, like I think like say something like Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is amazing but and they were obviously doing a very different thing with their music and it was a very different scene that they were in but I think that that album and it is celebrated like it is um but I kind of just wish that they were a bit more of a focal point than say the strokes or um as I said like Interpol I think that they had a bit more of a longevity to them they had a bit more kind of substance to them don't seem like massive twats like when you look back on footage of them do you know what I mean Carlos D maybe yeah, yes <laughs> depending on your yeah. perspective um and another one are the AAS a better band than the Strokes do you think I think they're definitely a more original band probably than them a bit more of an exciting band Maps is better than the Strokes have written yeah I'll, I'll give them that yeah. The Walkman oh sorry yeah The Walkman Wendy Pete, did they have an album in 2001 though? Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but I they, always kind of think of them more of like 2000. Well, they came out of Jonathan Fire Reader essentially, yeah. which again, it gets a lot of play in the book, Meet Me in the Bathroom, but not mm. mentioned at all in the film. And uh, if you want me, oh, really? to, if you want to hear me uh, talk talk more about this kind of stuff, check out the next Nile and Nine podcast, which I will be on. What but for link. now, that is my number one. That is the struggle's hard to explain. It is perfect. And also, to be fair, it gave us this fucking incredible, incredible mashup.
I think Zara Hedeman just ascended to heaven. That had, is incredible. I've never heard, that, heard before. that before. No. That is, uh, it's a bootleg. It's Freelance Hellraiser and it's called A Stroke of Genius. It fucking uh, is A Stroke of Genius. Yeah. yeah. And that was doing the rounds in 2001. That and of course, is amazing. Christina Aguilera's 1999 debut yeah. single, Genie in a Bottle yeah. and Hard to Explain. It works. It works. Shockingly terrifyingly well. Terrifyingly well. Know, right? Even the vocal processing when it's like filtered down is exactly like something you'd hear from Julian Casablanca. It's fucking... That is stunning. You said off mic. Say it on mic. I said that is better than the strokes. Um. <laughs> well, that is a debate for another day. If I may wrap up by saying yes. some of the songs that didn't feature in my top oh, yes. five best, which have been previously picked on No Encore in various different top fives over the time uh, that I wanted to pick and I had a big long list. So uh, Movies by Alien Ant Farm. Astonishing Great song. song. Great Astonishing song. It's not, not in my long list. Movies are so much better. I, I'm not a fan. I, I don't even like them, but movies to me is like a transcendent, incredible song. The aforementioned Just So You Know by American Head Charge, which is genuinely one of my favorite songs of all time. She Is Beautiful by Andrew WK, which we talked about recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, that feature previously. Could have had Party Hard, but didn't pick it. Chop Suey by System of Down. Solitaire and Raveling by Mushroomhead. Can't Get You Out of My Head by Kylie Minogue. <sighs> Again, I didn't pick it because it was picked previously and the same applies to Get Your Freak On by Missy Elliott. <laughs> Two of the greatest songs of all time. Jane Doe by Converge, a song and an album so good I have the artwork tattooed on my arm. What else we got? Uh, Crystal by New Order. Picked that in Comebacks, I believe, previously. And some ones that didn't get picked before but I couldn't find room for. Elton John's I Want Love, which has the video with Robert Downey Jr. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Schism by Tool. Uh, Let Me Blow Your Mind by Eve featuring Gwen Stefani. When I saw that in your long list. I was like, I really hope this is in here. What a tune. It's incredible, but I just found it hard to find room for it. And finally, Lap Dance by Any or D. I didn't what pick that one either. What about song from Radiohead? Yeah, but the, the, the problem is, like, it's this is yet another example. Broad church. It's yet another example of like, oh fuck, it's impossible. It was an ins- it was to convey outrageous yeah. that year for music. Just as like always, music. as always, the <laughs> top five is very much a sample size of differing opinions yeah. and also, you know, uh, an excuse to go back and do it again someday. Maybe who knows? Possibly, but you know, it's more of a favorite thing. It's more of a where you're at in the moment thing. I will accept every argument against the five I've picked, and I will accept every argument against Limp Bizkit Rolling being the worst. (laughs) But she isn't the worst. She is the best. She is Zara Hedeman, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us, Zara. David, thank you. It was a joy to be the Hal to your David on this voyage through 2001. What a line. I can't. I've I got know, nothing. I <laughs> I've got nothing. The truth is, guys, he's got everything. His name is Sonic <laughs> Adam. I didn't tee that up. We didn't rehearse. That. And uh, without, you know, he he's my turn of the millennium, if you know what I mean. Oh, thank you so much. Right, that's the show for this week. Um, I'm not sure when we'll be back because I'm trying to arrange this now popcorn episode. Also, it's been a fucking weird run in terms of just scheduling and stuff. So it, there might not be an episode next week. I will do what I can. Otherwise, let's maybe realistically could be it could be two weeks. Um, retooling is happening in general so i'm just trying to kind of you know get my get my skates on get my bearings going forward so uh, i'll see you when i see you and if you really miss my vocal that much like i say the new nine nine podcast is about to drop and i will be on that one back soon hopefully my name is dave handready this has been no encore there will be no encore and i'll be back soon Goodbye. bye bye <laughs>
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.